On this episode, we discuss Max Magician and the Legend of the Rings. Wait, we do? Why? Uh, it's Stuart's birthday. Birthday! Birthday! Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. What's up? It's me, Stuart Wellington. And I'm your littlest baby brother, Elliot Kalen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm trying out some new material. Yeah, uh, no, I like it. it. Tracks. It all tracks. Um, before we get on to the show. Oh, you got some business up top, Dan? <laughs> let's, let's discuss the elephant in the room. And by elephant, I think we all know what I'm talking about. I don't really know. Dan, is this because this I'm is, sitting in my underpants? This is because Stuart is sitting in his underpants see, currently. There's a table between me and Stuart, so I can. I forgot that he is pantsless at the moment, wearing <laughs> just his skivvies and then a hoodie with the hood up on so top. So at this point in the flop house... So to paint a picture, Stuart looks like the Unabomber in his underpants. <laughs> So at this point in the life lifespan of the flop house, uh, what happens is I am in my apartment. I'm waiting for food to arrive. Yeah, yeah. We, contemplating the dark corners of the room. Yeah. <laughs> so we so we get real yellow wallpaper type we, situation. We order in takeout for uh, Stuart and myself. Elliot, of course, comes with his Popeyes. Mm-hmm. I have the door ABP, open. ABP always be Popeye. The door op- is open to uh, my apartment in defiance. Of safety, uh, yeah, and yeah. now you're giving, York away, City. you're giving away all the information. No, so this I know is New York City. You're just asking for a chud to walk in. But mm-hmm. what happens instead of a chud walking in? What happens is Stuart a chub walked in. Stuart walks in every you time. Were, oh, you were dude, a, you were half erect. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good save. <laughs> Stuart knows check the tape. Okay, you're, that was a cool chip. <laughs> Stuart knows that my uh, apartment's door is probably unlocked, waiting for him to show up. So he Actually, just yeah, I always mean the doorbell, but I should just walk in. Just yeah. walk in, and then you well, you're polite. say your catchphrase. That's the difference. Mm, that's why I, my exercise is polities. Oh, boy. Anyway, you were saying? Well, I like to open the door. I say my catchphrase. Everybody <laughs> fucking cracks oh, up. Have you, for some, Archie Stuart's, goes nuts. Stuart's the only person I know where when he enters the room, an actual studio audience <laughs> sound plays. Yeah. And I'm like, this is reality. No one's watching this. Mm, it's like uh, sometimes it's a slide whistle. You never know. <laughs> but where I'm headed with this is. Keep them guessing. That's one of my catchphrases. <laughs> I hear the door open. He opens the door and goes, keep them guessing. And then walks in to applause and slide whistles. I hear the door open. I'm in my living Underwear. room watching the TVs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear the door open. I duck my head down the hall to Often see. Often you're like, oh, oh, uh, Wild Things was just playing. <laughs> I just happened upon it. I was watching I'm like, it. why not leave it? I was watching it as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, me and Archie thought it was hilarious, right? Uh, we, we're, we're not turned on by it. No, we like the tongue-in-cheek ironic nature. <laughs> uh, both things can be true. but uh, They I, cannot, Dan. <laughs> I look down the hallway and the first thing I see is Stuart methodically taking <laughs> off his pants. What do you say, methodically? Because I'm getting as, to podcast. As opposed to Stuart, what, ripping his pants <laughs> off? Like a bear who has somehow his pants on? I yeah, would I not s- put that past Stuart. <laughs> yeah, I, I scratch my legs up against a tree trunk <laughs> so that the bark rips my pants off. Like I'm a- imagining Stuart on the ground, like, taking your pants off the way, like, a child takes their pants off, or they're just kicking them off. 
You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. No, I have a child. I've seen him take his pants off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, stop uh, bragging. <laughs> so actually, that's the way he takes his shoes off. As he's still sitting in his stroller, he kicks his leg as hard as he can so that his shoe flies off of his foot, mm-hmm. like as if he's it's hurling towards a ninja that's coming at him. Now, I think that I think that all the listeners are probably wondering because we've established that Stuart's not wearing pants. What is he wearing? Describe. He's got. Uh, hold on. Got striped boxer briefs on. Okay, what is it? What color are they? Uh, I don't want to look too closely again. I, you're you're like, right. Uh, it's, it's they're, hard. Like, they're like a navy and a white. You're right. It's I hard. Think. It's hard to tell color <laughs> from distance. Yeah, yeah. That's it's, why people don't uh, know what color the sky is because it's, it's so far away. It's the gold or blue dress situation all over. Oh, uh, yeah. We don't need that. <laughs> no, but we've established the what of Stuart's. Uh, Pants situation. We haven't established the why of Stuart's pants situation. Well, Sherlock, let's keep going. <laughs> Which is we don't yet have a motive for the crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I just I think the listener's wondering why, and it's it's an anticlimactic reason. To be honest, I think the listener at this point just all they need to know is it's Stuart. If I was sitting with my pants off, they'd be like, "This is weird." Whereas pants on fire with Stuart, I think they're just okay with it. Yeah. All right. The short. Short reason is it was uh, raining outside, and Stuart's pants got wet, so we thought the best solution was mm. pants removal. <laughs> Just don't forget you left them here, Stu. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, don't, don't leave without putting those things back on. <laughs> I'll slap my forehead and say, do, and people will all clap, because that's my other catchphrase. <laughs> that's your catchphrase? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the so other damn. thing about Stuart today... Okay, and then we can get to what this podcast is and what we do on it. Is this his birthday? Okay. It's It's a birthday podcast. Yeah, I mean, actually, this episode will be released like a week after Stuart's birthday. Yeah. But we're recording it his birthday weekend. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, His birthday spans a whole weekend because he's a special little boy. (laughs) (laughs) I I had a really good year, you know, so I deserve a whole weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that plays into... The rest of the show, but we'll uh, just say that this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. And now usually we watch a recent big budget Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so if you saw the title of this episode and you're like racking your brain, you're like, I don't remember this movie coming out in movie Ma- theaters Max recently. Magician. What, mm-hmm. what? Who was in that? Was that like Kieran Culkin and mm-hmm. Anna Chlumsky? Big stars like that? Was it? <laughs> Was it okay. big stars like uh, like Danny Trejo and the late Taylor Negron? <laughs> <laughs> is that is Robert Morse the lead in that movie? Does he play Max is, Magician? Is, is it Robert Davi? Was he in this? Is this Robert Picardo's most recent <laughs> f- picture? Uh, uh, Robert Picardo joint. That's how it's. That's <laughs> yeah. how it's. The credits proclaim it. Yeah. No. Uh, Stewart came in and he goes, "It's my birthday." <laughs> It's my birthday today. I Can I watch? All pantsless. Yeah, but also licking an enormous lollipop <laughs> with a slingshot. I got in his it for my birthday, dude. <laughs> Stuart wanted to watch something special for his uh, his special day. Yep. And, so, and after giving them a couple options, I then just picked the one I want to watch, <laughs> which was a DVD that we received in the mail and announced on this very podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Max many Magician. moons ago. And the legend of the rings. Now, normally, this is the sort of thing we would save till sh- uh, small timber. Small timber. But uh, wait Stuart- a minute. So this wasn't like a big budget studio <laughs> no, release. Surprisingly, but all not. those big named stars we mentioned, like, like Robert uh, England. <laughs> <laughs> what about the stars of this movie? Like, uh, 
Hold on. To be fair, we looked up. Dana's reading the back of this box like Max reads spells. One of, <laughs> there's one of no the, one of the actors in there's it. There's no one listed as an actor in but this. As, as we saw, one of the actors in it was in Argo mm-hmm. and Cecil B. Demented and other real movies. Uh, there is a three and a half star review on the front of this uh, DVD from the Science Fiction Chronicle, it's whatever from that is. Director's Mom Magazine. <laughs> a fantasy <laughs> epic in the tradition of Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Not a value judgment, just a simple statement of fact. But yeah, I, mean, I mean, that is, I that mean, is say crafted in, for to, a full quote. To say it's a, that it's in that tradition is stretching somewhat. Uh, so, should we talk about this? Is an incredibly low budget film. Yeah. Uh, from 2002. Normally here at the Flophouse, we like to punch up, you know? Nope, but this time we were punching so far down, my fist got stuck in the dirt. <laughs> as if I was trying to punch a buried corpse. <laughs> Take that, Benedict Arnold. <laughs> I feel... <laughs> I mean, There's if you're moments... going to punch a corpse, that's a good choice. That's a good one to punch. Yeah. I mean, Hitler's body burned, so I can't punch that one. No. Who would I punch? What, what dead person would you punch, Dan? Uh, what if... It... What if it's just like my great grandpa? Weird. Okay, that's strange. Yeah, Did well, you ever know him? No, I have no idea. So why would you do that? I just don't want to. Think he'd sp- forgive you? I think he'd forgive me. I don't want to. Sp- <laughs> I realized halfway through, I don't want to spread that kind of anger in the world. So wait, okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so I got to do it to someone. Even who's knowing gonna- that, like. Richard Nixon's corpse is like just lying there in a coffin. Oh, that was a good one. I feel like cultural perceptions have shifted so much over the years, like even in my lifetime, that like probably what people from like hundreds of years ago uh, would say as like a joke would be like super offensive now. So I probably wouldn't feel that bad about just punching any old corpse. (laughs) (laughs) You probably said something that wouldn't fly now. Kaboom. Yeah. Uh, This is a, a fantasy. Movie, I can say okay, that so about this it. Is, this movie, and then oh, the, the director had a fantasy oh, that he okay. can make a movie. Okay, oh, Dan, no. sit back. Maybe like take Hold a couple on. minutes and Wait, uh, come re- on. recharge your batteries. Wait, what? Recharge your I joke batteries. I feel like I was doing oh, pretty well man. there. The is getting out of out of control. <laughs> I uh, ran into the Punisher, and that was the problem. <laughs> yeah. uh, so. Uh, Let's say that this is a... So the movie opens with a chase sequence. Well, I just want to make one thing clear. This movie, if you watched, uh, if you've seen your average Misty Monday film, Uh and you've said, what if there was a children's fantasy film that has slightly higher production value than... Slightly fewer lesbian orgies. That had fewer lesbian tarp orgies and more of the same uh, kind of cheap magic special effect over and over More again. More animal reaction shots. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's a fair point. Then this is the movie for you. We open Even more ADR work. We open... <laughs> like the whole thing is ADR. Every single voice is, is dubbed. And so we open in media res. Uh, people Thank are you. running through a wood. Uh, there's a point of view shot that we see many times that seems to have been shot from the point of view of a basset hound or perhaps like... A, a small rodent of some kind. Mm-hmm. The uh, laces on somebody's tennis shoes. Yes, and no matter, even when a character is riding a horse, the same POV shot is used to show them moving through the forest as if this is some sort of I shrunk the kids type scenario. Yeah, in which case, everyone is smaller than a blade of grass. And and they're hiding in the fetlocks of the horse as it's running <laughs> through the, the grass. Um, speaking of, I went to the circus today. Yeah. yeah. And guys, I saw some amazing trick riding on horses. Did you? Uh, my mother took my family out to the Ringling Brothers Circus, their final season. They're shutting mm-hmm. down after 140 some odd years. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, 
Nobody throws more people onto a stage doing crazy things all at the same time better than The Greatest Show on Earth. Mm. Also, there were some animals, and it was really cool, but I still felt bad at the same time. I'm very excited about this because I have a ticket to go to the circus next week. And when I say a ticket, yes, it is a single ticket to go to the circus alone. <clears throat> is there anything sadder than the sentence I just said? I think it sounds like a anyone? cut scene from Anybody. the Highlander movie where <laughs> Connor McLeod is going to kill like a... <laughs> A Highlander that trick rides on horses. Can you see my depressing sentence and raise me? Dan, here's what make it sadder, and what I want you to do is I want you to get one of the light-up toys, Mm -hmm. like a light-up sword or one of those things that just whirls little filaments that light up around. I'm on board so far. And I want you to just sit there in the dark, holding it and pressing the button that makes it go... Now, this is... By yourself. This is completely unrelated, Dan. But do you know the phone number for the kiss cam for the circus? <laughs> you know, the number that he calls so you can set up a kiss cam shot. Is Completely that unrelated. That, how that works is you call ahead like a do reservation for a number. restaurant. Yeah, do you know the number off the top of your dome? <laughs> I haven't. Here's, here's what I like about the levels of reality of this joke. One, that circuses have a kiss cam, not just sporting events. Because what they're trying to do at a circus is distract you from the lack of activity on the stage by making you look at video of someone in the stands. Yeah. Number two, <laughs> yeah. that you can arrange when one of these. they're cleaning up all the stuff on the stage after the horses get done running around. you can arrange one of these ahead of time. <laughs> number three, that Dan knows the number. <laughs> he, might just, he might have seen it while he was getting his tickets. <laughs> and number four, that even though Stuart is not going to be there to see it, he really wants the awkward moment of Dan by himself on a kiss cam. Holding some ar- kind of a light-up thing. <laughs> like a light-up sword or horse's head or something. Or an, uh, like looking for someone to kiss. Yeah. Uh, Meaning he has nothing to kiss, but his own hand curved into the rough shape of a mouth, which he would then kiss too long, and mm-hmm. they would have to take the kiss cam away and point it to somebody else. Yeah, and I would scream, don't, don't, back on me, back on me, come on. And just going, is this what you wanted? (laughs) Guys, this has been another great episode of Elliot Explains Stewart's Jokes. (laughs) Hey, come back next week. Stewart's going to make another stupid-ass joke. When I was a kid... I saw a little show called Clarissa Explains It All. Uh And I felt like... (laughs) You felt felt cheated. She didn't really explain it all. Am I presumptuous enough to think that I can explain it all? No. But Stewart's jokes, Did, they, did yes. she ever explain her relationship with that dude who's always climbing through her window? Yeah, they're friends. He's like Sam. Bob or something? Sam. <laughs> no, Bob is the evil spirit from Twin Peaks. <laughs> okay. He's also climbing through windows. <laughs> That's the thing. And he possesses her son, her brother, Ferguson. <laughs> uh, they, no, her friend Sam is just a friend. Yeah. They're pals. They're platonic Now, pals. is her brother Ferguson related to the cat Ferguson from the TV show The New Girl? They're Probably. The same. They're one and the same. Yeah, he, he pissed off the wrong Loki <laughs> god of mischief. Well, that's the thing. She became Clarissa the Teenage Witch, and she turned him into a cat. Mm-hmm. Changed her name to Sabrina. Sabrina, sorry. The Teenage Witch. <laughs> if, you, if you guys not all the, see not all the magic the, in the world. The, the disappointed look that I'm just saying, Elliot has given me. If any grown man should know the name of that character, I, it is Dan McCoy. It is old-timey comic strip reading Dan McCoy. The whole point. Well, I'm sure is very familiar with the work of Dan DiCarlo. I know. I know it was Sabrina. I knew it was Sabrina. The joke was that Melissa Joan Hart played both characters, and I just fucked it up. That's It was just a simple fuck up. 
And I think we should all just put this sadness behind us. Well, that was this episode of Elliot Explains Dan's Jokes. <laughs> now let's get back to the movie, huh? Magician Max and the Thing of the Bing. Anyway, so somebody's <laughs> running. So we get some we get some tight shots on feet running through the forest. These, and we, we sense there's multiple figures being chased jungle. by some. Yeah. <laughs> that two guys are being chased by some sort of hooded villain of a, of a sort. The villain kills them. Mm-hmm. And then would they drop like a scroll or something? Of course. The scroll yeah. is then discovered. Mm-hmm. By, by a local janitor. By a local man named Mr. Tim, we later find out. <laughs> yep. Okay. Cut to. Okay. A house. Sure, okay. <laughs> and it's the home <laughs> of. Any old house. Any, any town USA. It's Magician Max himself. He's a nerdy kid wearing a cape, practicing magic in his bedroom. But it's time to go to school. But his mom will not wear let him wear that cape at school. Because she is a mom who knows how other children would react to a cape. They it like like a cape to a bull, they would charge it. <laughs> yes. Uh a cape is another one of those things like the previously mentioned on a a previous podcast, Fedora. That was last episode. A thing that a child thinks is cool, but everyone else knows, including other child no, children a, that are other ahead, childs, other sure. childs, other Lee, Lee childs. Lee childs knows. <laughs> no, so if anyone's going to wear that cape, it's Lee childs. No, yeah. but the thing is, the kid wearing the fedora, like he looks like a cool detective, Dan. All the other kids will respect his authority of being yeah. a, a detective. Sure, the fact that he's just wearing kid clothes with a fedora <laughs> on top, he still looks like a cool detective. It makes him look older. Yeah. You know, so he can hang out with teenagers. So uh, our hero's not a teenager. He's just a boy in a cape. No, he's about 13, even though, I'm guessing. So that is a teenager, I guess. Even though a kid wearing a cape, that makes him look older, too, because older people wear capes like Draculas. <laughs> <laughs> the <And> oldest people. <laughs> so we get a shot of Max's bedroom, and you guessed it, everybody. He's got oversized playing cards all over the place. And a computer and a TV. <laughs> yeah, he's the regular Batman. Bedroom ever. Yeah, they're all trophies from his various adventures. <laughs> <laughs> he has the bedroom that, like, when I would lie in bed asleep at night and fantasy not asleep i'd be awake because i was terrified that zombies would come and eat me (laughs) but i would be like dreaming about what my ultimate like your kid bedroom my ultimate kid bedroom fantasy would be and it would be just like this there'd be me with a cape (laughs) giant playing card you'd have what looks to be a tandy computer in the background hey man just ready Uh, to to play this movie was made in 2002 Ready to play uh, whatever, like when number hop number crunchers or whatever that fucking I hop, on, blaster. I hop on some fucking news groups. Yeah. That's right. Slowly download one yeah. porn picture. You could hop on alt.simpsons.rec and yeah. talk about what Bart said last night. <laughs> I mean, it's the internet. So yeah, they either talk about Simpsons or like the new adventures of Lois and Clark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess it was called Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. Exactly. You got it. You got it, buddy. Got it in two. <laughs> he also has his own you know TV, it. which looks to be a black and white set, probably what the family used to keep in the kitchen until they got a color set for the kitchen. Mm-hmm. That black and white set got kicked upstairs to the bedroom. So, star wipe to the parking lot of a mostly abandoned school. <laughs> yeah, it's he seems to live in a town where most of the people were destroyed by some sort of tragedy, a plague, now, or Now, have you ever radiation. seen The Leftovers? <laughs> it's kind of like that. Exactly like that, because now, in The Leftovers, they say, like, what, like, 
one percent of the population or some shit got got raptured, but it feels like everybody got raptured except for all these fucking losers. And all they have left to eat is leftovers because all the chefs got raptured. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about the title of the show is it means it's double meaning. It's just a bunch of shepherd's pie. That's all it is. And that sounds great. <laughs> for forever? I mean, it's true. I wouldn't want to eat it only that. Yeah. But that's a solid meal. No, it is yeah. a solid meal. But to me, all leftovers are shepherd's pie. It says more about your life, I think. I mean, most people I think it would be like pizza. Yeah. Chinese food. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for Jeffrey Dahmer, where are human you Chinese these, pizza. Chinese where are you, where are you okay, buying all these shepherd's pies? I like the idea. Wait, hold on. Chinese pizza. What do we got on that? We got some. We got uh, some noodles, probably. Noodles, maybe rice. Some, no cheese. That's for sure. No, some uh, sesame of, chicken. Instead of tomato sauce, it'd probably be like either yeah, sesame sauce or some kind of brown sauce, or perhaps a General So's kind of sticky sauce. So is the crust like a scallion pancake? You know it. I love them scally pans. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, would, you're kind of a scally pan. <laughs> but what would take the place you know, of the cheese? Like the noodles? Uh, like a long, flat noodle, like a chow fun or something? Yeah, what a, there's not really a bunch of cheese in Chinese food, huh? No, there's not. That's what I'm saying. Like They're a lactose tofu? intolerant. Some sort of tofu? Now uh, you're talking. Tofu, okay. What about, uh, what about those famous Chinese uh, crab rangoons? <laughs> um okay there's the cheese chinese. in those dude yeah the most chinese <laughs> the most authentic I mean, chinese that it food has rangoon is. which is not a part of china in it oh <laughs> uh, so what happens is this kid he goes gets to school he gets bullied by other kids he gets vaguely bullied the, the kids that are bullying him are if anything his only affectionate friends they kind of like tussle his hair but he the girls want him to show the magic trick but uh oh because in my experience (laughs) girls love magic uh, you know who's experience? Girls love magic. Yeah. Uh, what's the guy who's on that ga- mystery from the the game thing? Oh, that's true. And from mm-hmm. uh, yep. he shows him a magic trick. Next thing you know, his penis is inside them. That's the magic trick. <laughs> All right. There's a couple. What steps, show is this? <laughs> there's a couple steps in between, but yeah. Pardon me. I'm just. It's called. In the uh, it's called. So. Uh, it's called Chris Angel Body Freak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, so, so he is he briefly show, bullied. He shows them a magic trick which ends with a bully getting egg yolk on his head. Mm-hmm. The bully doesn't like that. Chases him right into the hands of Mr. <laughs> Tim, the mm-hmm. the man that we saw earlier finding that magic scroll. Now, they immediately bond because they're wearing matching denim uh, button-down shirts. Mm-hmm. They look like they're both going to go denim work at Home shirts, Depot. Yeah. Uh, and then he goes to the janitor's house, I guess, and the janitor's like, hey, dude. Uh, you know, magic's real. Read about it in this fucking book. And, he and, gives him, and Max is like, I can't look, wait to read. Book. I can't wait to read this book that has like four pages. <laughs> it is in the it. slimmest magic tome. It you it, it looks like they took a menu from a probably the fanciest restaurant in town, which was like you know a Bennigan's, and just kind of poured tea on, and and held a lighter up to the paper yeah. to make it look old. And they wrote a bunch of uh, magic spells in. Papyrus, the most magical of all the fonts. Because <laughs> yeah, it looks old. It's the kind yeah. of book that like, I would find at the gaming store and take up to my mom, and she's like, $30 for this? There's only like four pages. And I'm like, but mom, it's got all the rules for my guys. It's got all the most powerful spells. Make fog, get rid of fog, cause sticks to levitate. Mice mm-hmm. thing. Make, make mice from not mice. Because <laughs> those are all the spells we see him perform throughout the movie. But it turns out to be a magic spell book. And when he speaks the words, uh-huh. he opens up a tree door 
a magic portal okay. that appears I'm to be a door so airbrushed onto a tree. And and like the tree appears too. The tree wasn't there previously. Oh, that's right. Previously. Which is basically <laughs> on tree. <laughs> Leaves. <laughs> that, and then the blowing, thing, like think about wind. Wind. Think, <laughs> think about how we could like offset the deforestation problem that the earth is facing. But not if every tree he creates has a magic door to crazy land in it. I mean, you just cut the tree down and close off crazy land. Okay, good point. But then the deforested again. Oh, yeah. So he enters the door in the magic tree. And, deforested Kelly. And Anyway, ends, go on. Ends up... <laughs> Couldn't leave that one just sitting on the table. You gotta <laughs> snatch I, it up. I we were, we it up and going... Nom, 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 we were nom, literally nom. leaving no money on the table. <laughs> Dan decided to put $10 on the table and then walk away from it. <laughs> That's effectively what just happened. We lost money on that joke. So he ends up in a forest that looks pretty much like everywhere else in the movie, except yep. on the other side, it's magic. We know that because the mouse that he was with, he was with a mouse, can mm-hmm. now talk. And that mouse's name? Crimble. <laughs> of mm. course. And Crimble is kind of like your sassy sidekick. He's the donkey from Shrek. He's the dragon from Mulan, which I think are both Eddie Murphy characters. Yep. Uh, yeah. He's, he's your wisecracking <laughs> sidekick, who's also a mouse. He immediately introduces Mac, Max to a talking hawk. When mm-hmm. I say talking, I mean a voice is overlaid over footage of over a hawk. Over the same five <laughs> seconds of a hawk on a limb looking around. It is never mentioned that the hawk would, of course, be the natural predator of the mouse and no, eat him. Instead, they're, not at all. They're buddies because they're both on the side of good. They're both allies of the Bluebell Kingdom, which are is a bunch of elves with pointy ears mm-hmm. who are under the threat of Lord Dagda, who is a demon man with curved ram horns who sits in a cave farting up a storm <laughs> and telling his two henchmen that they suck. Yeah, he always has some lady uh, combing his hair, and he always talks shit to his henchman, Worm. He has one henchman, Worm, who, to be fair, is not a winner. He's like a no, kind of a droopy I mean, type with a, with a cowl on who always looks like he's pretty sad, and his other sidekick, whose name I did not don't remember, let's call him Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. He's an Amigo Montoya type, but he works for mm-hmm. the bad guy. Yeah. And he is wearing, as you said, an Elseworlds Batman <laughs> suit of armor. If there was, I assume there is a medieval Batman Elseworlds, he's mm-hmm. wearing that costume. Uh, but Max quickly gets, uh, he go, finds a stucco paper mache castle, mm-hmm. enters it uh, at the beckoning of I mean, a, it's not just uh, like stucco paper mache. It, it is like, clearly like... Southern California style castle, like that is what it is. It's sure, like yeah, it's covered in tile, covered in avocado. <laughs> yeah, it's like what of the and Southern of course, California architecture looks castly enough that we can set our LARP yeah. at? It, it does look yeah. like uh, this castle should be the establishing shot for every other scene on Modern Family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but he goes into it, invited in by a character who I have to assume was made up to look like the Miracle Worker character from. Uh, from Princess Bride. Oh, right, yeah. Or like Yogurt from Spaceballs. And this <laughs> yeah. character is hilariously speaks in rhyme all the time, like a regular like a, Etrigan the Demon. Like a relic, regular Elliot Kalin. I don't speak in rhyme all the time. It's not a crime. Uh, you've been yeah. slimed. <laughs> oh, no. Where'd all the slime come from? Uh, a, a, a Did chime. you bring this with you just for the purposes of that rhyme? Just in case it came up. Yes. Yeah. I carry every object with me in this little pocket dimension just in case I have to rhyme with it. Oh. Dan, what's a rhyme for Wolverine? Uh, to be fair, rabid Wolverine. Because <laughs> oh. I want to offload this thing. Wolverine. 
He's got gotcha. you. Ben Vereen. He got it. Oh, so, uh, it's, hey, it's all that jazz star Ben Vereen. Watch out, Dan Rabbit Wolverine. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I guess I'm Rabbit now. <laughs> I'm going to the circus alone. Shrugs, the shrugs his shoulders. Turns out his pockets. Yeah, it was your regular Ziggy. <laughs> Guess I'm rabid now. Anyway, uh, he gets invited in. He has a sumptuous banquet. Which is banquet. their first fucking mistake, dude. You never <laughs> yeah. invite a vampire in. No, he's not a vampire. What? He's a magician. <laughs> but he had a cape. No. He's got braces. Not everyone. Yeah. How's he going to bite people's necks with his braces? Oh, my God. There's got to be some YA book about a fucking vampire kid with braces, there's right? There's got to be, yeah. His fangs aren't growing. And everyone makes right. fun of him because he's Eastern European and he dresses in suits all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a book I read once. Okay, go on. What was the name of that book? I don't know. Kid Vampire. It's called Benicula, but a kid instead of a kid. Benicula. And they sued them because it was instead too close of- to Kid Icarus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you think that Bunicula and Eggplant Wizard would hang out, or do you think Bunicula would kill Eggplant <laughs> Wizard? Bunicula would eat Eggplant Wizard, for sure. So it's, Are you not be, familiar with the premise be, of Bunicula? It would be protagonist and antagonist, then. Uh, well, let's call them uh, two sides of an issue. <laughs> Sure. It's dialectic. Yeah, this is not just good guys and bad guys. They have their points of view. Uh, So they have a banquet which rivals the banquet in Hook for uneatability of the things we see on screen. (laughs) Uh, It's basically just mush and and rice, I guess. And there's at least one or two just raw onions. (laughs) Still with the onion skin on. And uh, there's shots of extras passing bowls between them, almost dropping them. They can't even do that properly. You know how in any fantasy novel, the thing thing that every fantasy novel has in common is the loving description of food that they eat? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Game of Thrones, all the stuff about capons and trenchers of gravy. This is the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we have a lot of... Here's something I loved about this movie. Aside from the fact that all the dialogue is ADR'd after the fact, that the music is hilariously overblown from what we're seeing, and that it frequently pads itself out with POV shots from the point of view of a, of a small dog walking mm-hmm. through a forest, or perhaps, I don't know, a, a wombat, that the movie is full of extras in elf makeup and pointy ears Literally standing still, saying and doing nothing. <laughs> just in the background, I guess as if they're sentinels or guards, but they're just regular people. And so it looks like someone cast a spell that turned them all into statues at some point, but maybe all that material got cut. Yeah, it's some kind of a curse that uh, is trapping them in a state of suspended animation or in a state where they are miming motions and miming what they're supposed to be saying, but they don't actually say <laughs> anything. No sounds come out. Uh, Which so- is odd for something where all the dialogue is... ADR. Uh, Max is, and the dinner is being hosted by a princess whose name I don't remember. Are Ariana or something? Ariana? Or, yeah, Ariana Eugene. Grande. <laughs> yeah, it was Princess Ariana Grande, the largest of the Arianas. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> but the dinner is broken. Ariana Vente. That's a tweet that someone has done. Oh. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. For sure, Dan. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Like, just Google that right two now. Years ago. See how many of those come up. D- the number of hits will explode your computer <laughs> because it's probably the most said joke in the past year or yeah. two. Uh, you stupid man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, so 
Next Seems movie. extreme. I mean, so I, we have this awesome so, feast, and everybody's fucking loving it. They're chilling. They're they're, enjoying they're all it. joking about. We have this magician with us. Ha ha ha! He can't really do any tricks though. And then suddenly, and uh-oh. he's just like, I've never been to a fucking big boy party before. He's I like, gotta fucking be cool. Do I put the napkin in my neck or on my lap? What uh, do when, I do with this weird talking mouse character? This talking mouse that's crawling over my food. When do I do seven minutes in heaven with the elf princess? Mm-hmm. Uh, what if we get in there and I throw up all over her? Is that what's supposed to happen? It doesn't sound like heaven to me. Yeah. But yeah. he doesn't have to worry about all that. Because then a band of ruffians, yeah. who it turns out are the soldiers of Lori Dagda, mm-hmm. although they look pretty much just like a bunch of... The same thing. Yeah. It's There's like, like one dude wearing a, a Skyrim character helmet and one dude wearing a Thor helmet. And they all have The main way, I, as I can tell, yeah, to discern the, the bad guys from the good guys is the bad guys are a little more overweight and they've got mallets. <laughs> and the good guys have blue on their faces and elf ears. Yeah, they fight with staves. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they do. <laughs> what? And, no, I guess they're staves they, or staves. I mean, they look like... They just look like sticks. They just look like, look like sticks, sticks, man. They fight with sticks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Max is like, this is crazy, and immediately goes home. And that's the thing. The, oh, the, the princess we're tell, talking gives about him a necklace a, and says, you're only hope, and he goes home. When you are making a low-budget film and you have not directed any other films before, I think what you should probably do is feature a complicated fight scene inside a feasting hall mm-hmm, yeah. for your movie. And luckily this With a bunch director, of different species of fantasy characters. <laughs> there's yeah, this th- one, there's like, a weird slee stack just <laughs> hanging out, dude. And he is horrified and appalled by these gentlemen running, running in and breaking up this Yeah, piece. all these warm-blooded creatures. I thought he was going to be set up as like this kind of C-3PO type character, but mm-hmm. no, we only see him for two shots. I thought he was going to be some kind of diplomat from an entire race of lizard people Very that possible. sees the humans fighting amongst each other, I guess, elves? What are they, dude? They're humans and elves. But okay. then Lord Dag does a demon man of some kind. Yeah. So here's the thing. Much like Star Wars, we're just given these glimpses of other cultures and possible stories, mm-hmm. and then we're allowed to fill in the backstory with our imagination. It's what makes the movie work. I thought yeah, you were going to say, sorry, go on. It gives you a blank map with all these corners to fill out, man. That's what's so great about it. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say, much like Star Wars, the hero tries to reject the quest by going home, and then he has to come back, though. Yeah, he goes home, he, and his parents have been cooked alive by stormtroopers. <laughs> or, in this case, they allow him to have a pet mouse. <laughs> yeah. Which means he must go back on his quest. In one of the weirdest scenes for a parent to ever see, I would imagine. Elliot, you're a parent. Uh, yep, In a few true. years, I'll when you, you see some your vermin crawling over your son... Like not 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 a you know not a pet mouse that you might get from a uh, uh, a pet from a, store from a catalog where <laughs> now <laughs> a mouse catalog <laughs> the sky mouse catalog <laughs> that's uh, a bat I guess <laughs> sky mouse <laughs> now Elliot let me paint a picture but a for common, you uh, a few years down mouse. the line. You and your wife burst into your son's bedroom, okay? It's going to happen. You have, you've heard He's your son... masturbating with a mouse. Yeah, you've so, heard your um, son giggling up a storm, and the the room still reeks of a weird magic fog spell. Oh, that's right, because he cast a fog spell. And you go in there, and your son, fully clothed, is under the covers with a mouse. What do you do? I take a step back. Mm-hmm. I look at my wife. I say... <laughs> Let's come back in in five minutes. Sure. And I close the door. That is the... And then I say, son, finish whatever you're doing. Let's pretend it didn't happen, and I'll come back in five minutes. 
That's not bad. You know, the correct answer for that, of course, is you open the door. And I'm you get a on the floor. <laughs> Wait, and then walk a dinosaur? <laughs> yeah. I thought the correct answer would be like, I open the door and it turns out I'm a werewolf too, so he has nothing to worry about. Oh. And I finally have a heart to heart with him about how we're a family of werewolves. <laughs> and then you both dunk basketballs and beat everybody up. Oh yeah, and surf on a van. What if that was the way that movie went? If instead of him becoming a basketball star, he and his dad just go to the high school and beat everybody up. <laughs> and the dads lived in town for years, so these were all his teachers, too. Yeah. And they're just mauling them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they don't have to, like, kill them or nothing, but, yeah, you just beat the shit out of them. <laughs> and it's like, uh, what are you going to tell the cops? A werewolf did it? Yeah. Anyway, so uh, they, they there's this weird scene where he, well, one, okay, one, we have had a mouse in the house since my son was born. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not as a pet, as uninvited vermin. Not a, wasn't a vampire. I wasn't like, oh, come on in. Oh, now you can come in whenever you want. It was a, it was a mouse. And now, my, I had two reactions. We had two different mice at two different times. One time, my reaction was, I'm going to kill this piece of shit. Yeah, were you super mad that it rode around on the little mini scooter that you ride around? <laughs> <on>? <laughs> yeah, I'm supposed to be the motorcycle mouse. Now, I've had many mice in different New York apartments. Usually, I'm live and let live. Unless you're literally pooping where I eat, I don't care. Just go yeah. about your business, mouse. Mice are honestly kind of cute. I'm well, here's the thing. The first time I was like, my son is in this house. Get out of here. <laughs> Get yeah. out of here. But the second time there was a mouse that was just hanging out in our bedroom and I turned on the light and caught a glimpse of it and it was so tiny and cute. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to block up where I think he's coming from. Yeah. And it worked and I never saw him again. So if I walked in, I'd be like, but here's what happens with this show, with this movie. They walk in and he goes, uh, it's my new pet mouse. And the mother goes, you can't keep that. He goes, can I have it as a pet? The mother goes, no. And he goes, dad, can I have it? And the dad goes, "Mm, yeah, if you keep it in a cage. (laughs) Almost as if, I'll call your bluff on this. (laughs) I dare you. You can have that pet mouse because within a week, that thing is dead of starvation when you realize that you have a Game Boy to get to. The... Father character has some of the best ADR lines. No, like, it's he is crazy. amazing. And he also dresses like he is a part-time <laughs> private detective. They're sitting at breakfast and he's just wearing this incredibly loud Hawaiian shirt with like parrots all over it. Mm-hmm. But he's the only one who uh, we found that had like actual other credits. Like he was uh, in Veep. Yeah, I mean, he looked like he was like a reporter. It looked like he was on his way to He's be Magnum P.I. stunt double. <laughs> he okay. was in Cecil B. Demented. I mean, from the way he actually looks, he looked like he's going to be Magnum P.I.'s math tutor. Okay, so. <laughs> Where's the same kind of shirt? <laughs> yeah, because he wants to be cool like his yeah. client, Magnum. Uh, let's we go. We're going very. Yeah, we're going today. very slow on this. So, OK, let's. So Max goes back to the magic world. He gets trained by a wizard who. Uh, for lack of a better word, I'm I'm just gonna call Black Merlin. Merlin. He kind of looks like Long what yeah. Longbrow from, from Zoo Warriors of Magic Mountain. The but he's he's well, yeah he he's dressed up like a he looks an ancient, like, like what's Chinese. his name from Kill Bill. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He he's looks like the mentor from that. The long long mustache. And long that beard. Is that Gordon Liu? I don't remember. Okay. And it ends a long black robe. And he says, and he is a famous wizard. And Max goes, why don't you save the world? And he goes, no, this is your quest. <clears throat> Teaches him some more magic. He does not like it when Max is clowning around with his bow staff. Yeah, we get this great montage of Max doing uh, magic tricks with a bow staff. And then we get multiple reaction shots from two different animals and the <laughs> Merlin character. But it's also a montage where they keep cutting to the Merlin character and Max standing in exactly the same place. Each time doing different things. But the montage cuts to them over and over. Like So what I think is supposed to be a montage that takes 
a long time looks like it takes roughly like 47 yeah. minutes. Mm-hmm. It's the same way that this movie keeps doing like a wipe from one part of the forest to oh, the other part of the forest. The wipes. We haven't talked but the about wipes. the wipes. <laughs> Between every scene is a wipe effect and it is they're the most obtrusive. The only way they could be more obtrusive is if they did like PowerPoint things where the screen like fractures and then spins around and then comes back together again. <laughs> the stuff you see in like like family yearbook videos or things yeah, like yeah. that. And Stewart's live flop house PowerPoint. <laughs> If you've ever seen Stewart's live live house voice, he uses all this all the the transition yeah, effects. Where he's doing a transition effect as a joke. As <laughs> yeah. a joke. This movie does not seem to realize. Got to show off, baby. Yeah. The, yeah. The, I have not seen Segway uh, wipe Segways this le- unsubtle since Home Improvement. Is, was that was that the actual joke in like uh the Simpsons when the, when Lisa's <laughs> like there's Wars. there's a di- there's a different there are other wipes <laughs> other than the star wipe and Homer's like why use hamburger when you have a steak? What was the yeah? I mean, that's what he said. Star wipe. No, yeah, I'm just asking that whether that was the actual. What... Yes, but they don't use a star wipe in this one. They use a V wipe, a reverse V wipe, clockwise. They do a ripple wipe, wipe for a ripple wipe. Uh, oh, so many flashback. ripple wipes. They do a whipple wipe. They do a nipple wipe. <laughs> a Robert Whipple wipe. Yeah, and so there are three flashbacks in the same scene, all that feature different <laughs> ripple wipes. Because Max eventually learns the backstory of this world that Lord. Da- Dagda, Dagda, yeah, Dagda. It's the name of the, the fairy king from the Hellboy comics. Uh, I guess so. I never liked any of the fairy stuff in that. I, I mean, really that doesn't change it that it's for the true. Seven who are one, you know? <laughs> okay, continue. What are they called again? The Jah, uh, uh, the Ogdru Jahad. Yeah, the Ogdru Jahad. Thanks. That's what I was in it for. Anyway, any of the stuff that involved Hellboy being the son of King Arthur, I wasn't so into. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh. Spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. I mean, that is a pretty big spoiler yeah, if I cared about spoiler. Hellboy. Well, I mean, the series ended a couple years ago, so and this that storyline happened also years ago, so I guess right. deal with it. Look, at that point, you should just, just be reading more I'm just surprised to learn frogs. that is all I'm saying. I was surprised to learn it, too, when it <laughs> happened. <laughs> Elliot spit milk all over his comic books. So that I had to buy a new one. Bag it, board it, slab it, CGC grade it, <laughs> then put it in my vault. And a new thing of milk. <laughs> oh yeah, let's not forget that. This was this you had to was, bag that milk too. I'll tell you what, the guy in that the guy in the Arenberg got milk ad, he thinks he had it bad because he lost out on that money. What if he had milk in his mouth, double take, spit milk all over his Arenberg dual memorabilia? Be even worse. I don't, I don't get the reference. You don't remember the Got Milk is that, commercial? Is that the one where he's drinking milk and he gets real big and then he shames the people that were mean to him? Nope, that's a different commercial. <laughs> uh so anyway, he learns that in the in the olden days, the parents of this princess were taken captive by Lord Dagda. He wanted uh-huh. to marry the elf queen. She wouldn't marry him. He wanted some magic stones that his grandfather gave to the elf people, even though she says they weren't magic until our elf priestess put magic in them, which means that his grandfather just gave them some stones, which is not yeah. a great gift. Anyway, he kidnaps her. I think just After hit, punching her in the head. He just punches her and takes her to his cave, which is decorated with candles and one goat skull, mm-hmm. and, where he's constantly getting his hair combed, as we mentioned, and he only has two henchmen to come visit him. Uh, there was. It ended up being a battle for some magic stones and a ring that controls other I mean, he's kind rings. of a tragic figure. <laughs> yeah, in a way. Well, it's weird <laughs> to see this very, like, over-the-top, scenery-chewing, fey, like, Tim Curry and legend-type demon villain, who then you see a scene where he approaches a woman and is like, why didn't you marry me? I would. I loved you, too. Not what I expected from that character. Yeah. It really deepened him. And it, it made it that much more believable later in the movie when he's just hanging in the forest and his other sidekick tells him something bad and he goes, oh, 
Well, I won't let you ruin my day. <laughs> uh, you delivered that line reading, Elliot, about at two times speed of how he delivered every line <laughs> in this movie. A lot of pauses. Uh, so anyway, we learned that her parents were kidnapped by Lord Dagda, and he's been trying to stop the Bluebell people from not mm-hmm. being under his control. And all of these things happen, by the way. All of the inf- actual information that happens in this movie happens in a big info dump scene where it's just With like— three flashbacks. Yeah, we're going to just literally explain everything that's going on. And the rest of the movie is padding, 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 and then— a scene where information occurs. There was less padding in Paddington Bear mm-hmm. than in this movie. And he's full of padding. <laughs> I guess you'd call it stuffing. Anyway, this is also, the flashbacks happen after he, Max has proven his true might as a wizard by coming across some elves who are in a fight with he some bad guys. He happens upon a battle, yeah. Happens upon a battle, which the elves are handling themselves pretty well because they're all martial arts masters. Yeah. And the bad guys are just big fat guys with hammers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just kind of like out-of-work bouncers that have croquet mallets in their Wait, hands. is this the one where he does a magic spell that just basically sends uh, staffs to people? Yes, that levitates the, them so that people can catch them. And use There's them. a whole big like stack of weapons in a corner, which are uh, like... Weapons is <laughs> weapons. interesting. There's a whole big staff of uh, stack of sticks. Yeah, in the corner. Thank you. He's Max- like, he opens the book. He's like, I don't know, Hawk. There's way too many of these sticks. And the Hawk's like, I believe in you, Max. He's like, I don't know, man. But the Hawk that goes, goes on for 20 minutes. The Hawk goes from he's not ready yet to believe in yourself and you can achieve anything within mm-hmm. the space of about three scenes. So Max reads some shit out of his book. And, and then like, all of a sudden, baby, these things start floating, <laughs> start people's floating hands. over into people's hands. And oh boy, uh, once they, they got those sticks, the tide turns. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Because apparently, the one thing that was keeping them from winning was that they couldn't run over to this corner where a bunch of sticks were stacked up and grab one of them. Makes you wonder why they left the sticks over there in the first <laughs> yeah. place. And they'll just take them with them everywhere they go. That's the thing, Elliot. If you live your life carrying a stick, you're going to use that fucking stick. Yeah. You got to well, put it aside sometimes. If a bunch of guys run up to you with hammers, I think feel free to keep that stick with you. I just don't believe in that kind of lifestyle, Elliot. I don't need a weapon to prove that I'm a man. From the man with no pants on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, Max is a hero. He gets a flashback info dump. Long story short. Yeah. There's a big battle between Lord Dagda's men and the Bluebells. Oh, it's enormous. Uh, Max is able to use his magic to erase a mighty army of four warriors in armor mm-hmm. who show up at a battle where a bunch of children are defeating one of the bad guys. But the armored warriors turn the tide once again, and the day is saved, and Lord Dagda... He goes after uh, he goes after Max and so we watch this child get attacked by a man in a goblin face by a man in in ram horns and he had a goblin face. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ch- what's the name of his mouse companion? Ch- Ch- Chibble. Chum- Ch- Chumble. 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 Crimble. Crimble. tries to save him by jumping <laughs> at Dagda and biting his throat, and Dagda hurls. Crimble against a tree, killing him. He throws him so hard that they have to use the same sound effect as a fist hitting a face. <laughs> uh, this movie's full of great sound effects. A Wilhelm scream appears early on for no reason. Every, yeah. Well, Everything's a slapping sound. We realize that, that Dagda hates mice, so Max conjures up a bunch of mice that are all over Dagda. This somehow turns Dagda into a mouse. It's yep. not really clear how that... Dagda plus mice equals mouse, which if that was the way my life was going to be, I wouldn't want a mouse on me either. I don't but want also, like, it just was like, you see him, and all of a sudden there's a bunch of white mice swarming over empty clothes of him. So, like, mice have dissolved Dagda. Yeah, at some point like. I'm like, did they eat him, I guess? Yeah. You're unsure of exactly what happened to him. 
Uh, but the day has been saved. Everything's great. Max goes back the, the home. The four armored warriors he conjured are uh, edited out of the movie. They instantly disappear in what can only be called a cut. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Max leaves and returns home, where now he's got the confidence that he lacked before. You know, he leaves, and he's a little bummed because he's like, my best friend Krimble, the mouse is oh, dead. He, I'm going to lay this dude's corpse on this magic book. Oh, I'm going to say a prayer about... I wish know, that I could save him. Yeah, have... Guys, have I ever told you the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Please tell us. <laughs> so he was like a Sith Lord who was so super powerful that like he figured out that uh, he might be able to, I think something about controlling life at death. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, or maybe he couldn't do that, and it drove him crazy. <laughs> Have you heard this story? Uh, it, was in, it was in episode three, Revenge of the Sith, and I don't remember that movie was that well. Plagueis or Plagueis? I don't, how, how do you pronounce it? I'm just trying to remember how they pronounced it in the Plagius, film. Plagius? Plagius? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't remember, but it's not like you were reading it. Ian McDermott's performance is very nuanced, but I don't always understand what he's saying. I think what I liked best about that movie, and by liked, <laughs> I mean hated the most, of okay. that movie, which is the best of the prequels by far. Okay. Wow, Elliot's getting mad. He's standing up. Hey, look. <laughs> Overturned table. Uh, is how the Emperor, rather than being an old man mm-hmm. or aging naturally over time, is hit with lightning so hard that he becomes an old man. The movie needs to explain needs to explain everything to the point of how did this guy who was probably in his sixties in only twenty years turn into a man in his eighties? We got force lightning. That's the only explanation. <laughs> What a dumb movie in so many ways. But again, best of the prequels. Yeah, yeah. You see, he really Chris does Billy look like a, like a hover bike. He really does look like a California raisin. That guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> no, would that have made the movie better or worse if he Yoda instead of broke into, broke into a Motown song? <laughs> <laughs> broke into, heard it through the grapevine, and then boogied their way into a bag of raisins. Oh my god, I just got it. <laughs> because raisins are made out of grapes. <laughs> oh my god. All it all makes Ugh. sense to you now. Oh my lord. Oh, Before brother. Before you were like, I gotta Motown call my... and raisins, they're both wonderful, but how do they, what, what's the connection? I gotta call my mom and apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, remember when I said that your pitch for the California Raisins campaign, even though they bought it, was stupid? Well, listen to this. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you know that apology you were looking for? Well, listen to this. I'm sorry about what I said. She's like, I don't like it when you frame your apology like it's a Back to the Future reference. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, you, but I can't express real emotion. You, you may not like it, but your kids are going to love it. And I'm your kid. Uh, so he goes back home. He finds that Krimble is not dead, but instead can now be a boy again because maybe he was a boy before. Yeah, I don't he is. Know. He is me scant no seconds away from being bullied. Yeah, when Krimble, when Krimble shows up, a young boy with elf ears, and the yeah. other and the bullies are like, ah, a black kid. <laughs> we don't know <laughs> how to thing. handle that. Like that's the point in the movie where you're like. Is this movie racist because they're making Crimble sound the the mouse sound like a black kid, or is this supposed to be a black kid? And then it comes out and it's like, okay, it's a black kid, but it's still kind of racist. It's still a little bit. But Crimble holds a mice, which turns out to be Lord Dagda. A mouse. 
holds a holds a mouse. I stand corrected. It was just it was not. Mm-hmm. He doesn't hold a bouquet of mice. <laughs> it's not a rat king like thing where their tails mm-hmm. are entwined. So he's he places a mouse on the bully's shoulder that immediately diffuses the bully's anger and the bully runs away. Oh right, and then so the Crimble's the big Crimble death scene. Uh, he lays Crimble to rest on his magic book and then leaves, take leaving behind him the single most powerful magical tome or grimoire. All four pages of it. <laughs> it's barely, All four dust-covered pages. Barely pushing the length of an NES game instruction manual. <laughs> he leaves behind. And I, I have to assume that the last three pages of that book were just the different baddies he would be fa- facing. Yeah, well, the thing it, was, is, it was the French-language version of the thing that you've Already read. Oh, every time I buy, every time I buy a new video game, there's always a moment where I'm like, "Oh, I just got home from the video game store. I kind of got to take a shit. I'll go to the bathroom. Maybe I'll check out the uh, the game manual on this uh, on this game. <laughs> and I'll crack open the game. I'm painting a picture. Dude. No, I know. In a second. So uh, <laughs> crack I open s- the manual. I sit down on the toilet. Things. Sit down in the toilet. Crack open the game. You know, unwrap all the packaging. They have all those like stickers and shit. <laughs> crack it open, and of Save course, those for later. There's no fucking manuals anymore. All that shit's in game. Oh, so and I'm like, the back why don't you read the back of the why, box, right? Yeah, why don't we? Whatever happened to predictability, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Milkman, the paperboy, video game manuals. Yeah. Well, everywhere you look, there's I'm a just saying magician. that th- things were better, you know? When- uh, I mean, the movie just basically ends with Crimble is, like, living in Max's... Crimble and Worm, <laughs> the henchman of Dagda who becomes a good guy. And Tom? And to- T-Top Tom, or whatever his name is, the rhyming weirdo. They're all living in Max's closet, and they can't wait to help him with his math homework later. And Lord Dagda... He's the mouse in the cage, because despite all his rage, he's still just a rat in a cage, <laughs> yep. which mm-hmm. means Lord Dagda has been cursed to spend his life watching an adolescent boy masturbate before going mm-hmm. to bed. And rely on a child to make sure he is fed every day or he will die. And has water and wood chips. And the movie ends with Dagda muttering to himself about wood chips. The end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Circle wipe. <laughs> Circle wipe to the credits. Yeah, well, no, it was an iris in on uh, the end, uh, but... So that's yeah, or Iris is essentially a circle wipe. Sure, uh, that's Max Magician Legend of the Rings. I had to look at the DVD to remind myself of the <laughs> so title because again, it's generic. I so, Dan, like, Dan, are we putting a bow on this? We are this putting a bow I feel on like this. We haven't fully gotten across the cheapness of the film. Yeah, it looks like a bunch of larpers got together and were like, "Hey, man, what we do every weekend is awesome." We got to get some other people. We got to get I'm, some other people to I'm see what this stuff is. I'm going to sneak into this here podcast and say, you know what? This is a pretty. <laughs> sneak a, into the podcast. <laughs> you're the third co-host. What <laughs> are you talking about? This <laughs> sneak into the podcast. You know, this is a pretty low budget affair. This, this is clear. podcast. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, and the and the movie we talked okay. about, and it's you know, we're not that different. Clearly, like a labor of love. Somebody really kind of put their heart and soul Somebody up on the screen. Somebody put their heart and soul in the makeup effects. Because let's say one thing that we didn't say before. The makeup effects are pretty good. The makeup for the bad guys, like we were saying, this is Xena-level makeup. Like, yeah. you wouldn't see it in a movie, but you would see it this on a This is a, a lesser show. episode of Buffy-level makeup. Yeah, it's good-level makeup. Yeah. it's If you saw someone wearing this makeup on Halloween, you'd be like, shit, you should be a professional makeup artist, dude. Yeah. If you saw it in a big-budget motion picture, you'd be like, mm, that's not so great. If I saw an episode of Sci-Fi Channel's original reality program, Face Off, I would be like, mm, not bad. Yeah, B+. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could work. Yeah, you could. maybe you'll get work on this episode of Farscape. 
Uh, by the way, I was watching an episode of that fucking show and John Landis came on and I flipped my shit and Charlene's like, who's that? And you're like, he's a famous murderer. <laughs> uh, manslaughter. You'd be like, that's Max Landis's dad. Mm-hmm. And she got super excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's really into American Ultra. She writes a lot of American Ultra slash fic. She's, you were like, you know Michael Landon? Well, they're not related. But their names sound a little similar mm-hmm. if you don't say the last syllable. Um, but this but is, what I was trying to say is, yeah, go on. This is this is like a super micro budget movie. It's goofy. It has all the hallmark traits of a shitty of a hallmark movie of a hallmark movie. Like as you put it, a sheer sign, like a sure sign of a bat of one of these like micro budget movies is that every scene starts a couple mi- like a couple seconds too early and ends a couple seconds too late. Uh, every shot. There's a scene in it where. Uh, they, Max is leaving the house and they're making, and the dad is like, oh, your friend's the mouse, da, 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 And he goes, uh, Crimble says your fly is, is open. And he goes, huh? And Max leaves and the dad zips it. And then it, it holds for a couple seconds. <laughs> the dad goes, uh, what? Uh, 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 bye. Uh, wait, uh, bye. And the mom laughs at him and it's like. You just should have just ended the scene on him zipping his fly up. Like you don't need to show us <laughs> everything that happened after that. Like we need closure, really. The story of that fly. <laughs> Where'd that fly come from? Where's the fly I'm going? I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. That's why it was so awkward at the end of it. Yeah. So uh, it was because you were so er- erotically er- uh, turned on. I was like, oh, was erotically like, turned on, <laughs> as opposed to the other ways you can be turned on. Like what? Like someone. <laughs> Like, Intellectually. Like I was dead and, and Dr. Frankenstein put yeah, some exactly. electro bolts in me. <laughs> so, guys, you keep interrupting me before I can reach my, okay. my sorry, conclusion. Sorry. But what, what I'm trying to say is this is you your will. Jerry Springer sermon at the end of the episode. You know, guys. What did we learn? Uh, we don't want to go on a rant here, but. But this is the sort of thing where if you want to watch like a goofy, super low we're... budget movie. We should be in this is final a pretty good one right now. <laughs> I'm giving a final judgment. All right, I'm saying well, this is a good. This is a good bad of, movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie you kind of like. Go Stewart. This is a good bad movie all the way. I'm with Stewart on this one. Good bad G to the B. You get to laugh at extras in the background, jump kicking stuff, or just not even <laughs> doing anything, man. <laughs> There's lots of funny reuses of footage. There's bad editing. It's really fun. There's yeah. a lot of shots of a hawk uh, where they're doing voiceover for the hawk talking, and occasionally the hawk will move its beak, and you can swear there's a director or an animal wrangler off screen that's like trying to make motions to make the hawk move its mouth oh, more. See, I, I was thinking the opposite. I was like, did they try to line up the words with the hawk's mouth and then feel like it wasn't <laughs> worth it and just not? Because there were a bunch of places where they probably could have, where the hawk is saying like, no. And they and the hawk will open its mouth, close its mouth, and then say, you'll hear no. Yeah, yeah, because O sounds are really easy to do with a beak. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> you show the beak opening and closing. Haven't you ever watched a Good Feathers episode? <laughs> I agree that this is a good bad movie. For a, <laughs> for a little while, I was like, I was like marginal on it because you're like mar- you put margarine on it. Well, I realized, <laughs> and that, we're like, Dan, no, that's the disc. You're gonna ruin it. I thought I, it was a bagel. I realized that my problem <laughs> with this movie, 
<laughs> yeah. uh, it's not important. No, your problem with this movie. My problem with this movie was was <laughs> got to take it down a couple notches. <laughs> I was I was actually trying to follow the exposition because I was like, we got to talk about this later on. Mm-hmm, yeah. We got to yeah, talk yeah. about this. We got to understand what the the rich we, mythos we, is. We owe it to our listeners movie. to be able to explain exactly what happened. But and this then is I was like, check your brain at the door. Action blockbuster. Well, that's the thing. Like, if you're not doing a podcast on this movie, you don't need to give a shit about what what's going on. In fact, not understanding what's going on is a benefit to you then because you yeah. can joke to your pals about wait what why is that happening what what's this about just sit back and let it wash over you man it just it's an experience yeah. ride the roller coaster you know mm-hmm. just like, mad max magician ride just it ride the horse ride the pink horse you know you know yeah, yeah it's like bad boys ride that ride that dragon <laughs> just let it wash over you those the sights and sounds of bad That's boys like. Like. <laughs> yeah, you chase the dragon chase the dragon just hang on just find a snake hang on to it and let it drag <laughs> you where it may that's this movie yeah look you're gonna get brambles on your on your knees and you're gonna get rope burn mm-hmm. but let this movie just drag you through the woods to wherever it goes yeah. which is a cage with a mouse in it in a boy's room the end <laughs> My name is Patrick. My name is Parker. Max FunCon has been a huge inspiration in my life. And now I have this network of friends that I've made that span literally across the entire globe, and they're some of my favorite people in the world. I truly cannot believe the amount of wonderful and lasting friendships that have come out of this. If you feel like you might not fit in, as long as you're a good person, you'll fit in because everyone there is good and amazing and kind and wonderful and you should absolutely go it will be the best decision of your life make a ton of new friends like parker and patrick at max FunCon. tickets for max FunCon and max FunCon east are on sale now at maxfuncon.com hey it's dan breaking in here with an announcement that we didn't have ready at the time of taping but it's exciting, and we all wanted you to know about it as soon as possible. Uh, the Flophouse is doing their own comics miniseries. It's uh, unlike the, when, he, when we all did the Flash Gordon comic together. This is a Flophouse-branded product. Uh, it's all our original story. It's all our original... Uh, it has us in it, uh, introducing the story. It's all Flophouse all the time. And it's going to be available for purchase... On the Flophouse website, starting Wednesday, um, that's just a digital copy. A physical copy is not out of the question in the future if we do enough of these, but uh, for now, it's all digital. But go to flophousepodcast.com on Wednesday for your chance to buy a copy. Uh, but the important thing to know about this is we're not lining our pockets with this money. All the proceeds from the sale of this comic go to the ACLU. So we're asking a minimum $1 charge for the comic, but you can totally give more if you want because all the money is going to charity. That's right, to charity. The Flophouse gives back. Uh, I actually wrote the first story that is available, but this is the first in a projected series. Stuart and Elliot have their own scripts ready to go, but we only get to do more of these things if a lot of people buy it and donate and download and all that stuff. So if you want more, spread the word. Mine's a fun story, I think. It's a take on the old uh, EC Comics, Tales from the Crypt style of doing things, um, but funny. It's the sort of thing you can enjoy, even if you're not a comics reader, or you can buy to give to uh, the comics fan in your life. 
Um, if and I would like to before I go thank all the people who made this possible: Roger Landridge, who did the art for the comic; Tom Fowler, who did the cover; Nathan Fairborn, Chris Eliopoulos, Travis Lanham, and our editor Nate Cosby, who came up with the whole idea in the first place. So uh, thanks for that. And back to all three of us in the studio. Uh, but moving on, we've got a few sponsors for tonight's show. Woo! Oh, man. First up is Max Magician. <laughs> Uh-oh. we got to read the copy, though. Boy-oy-oy. Join this thrilling adventure that is beyond the realm of imagination as Max learns In to the be- tradition of Harry Potter and the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. Is this thing. Put it in your mouth and watch it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, I guess that's our take. We'll call that a take one. <laughs> uh, the first advertisement is for. <laughs> okay, that's take two. <laughs> <laughs> the flop house is sponsored in part by the Black Tux. Looking great for a wedding or special event has never been easier with the With high quality rental suits and tuxedos delivered to your door. The Black Tux gives you a new way to rent. The Black Tux offers free home try-on so you can see the fit and feel the quality of your suit months before your event. So I don't just have to take whatever tux they send me. No. They're going to send it to me, I'm going to try it on, and I can tell them, hey, this doesn't fit me, I don't want to rent it. Yeah, if they send you a clown suit, for instance, instead of a tux, you can be like, hey, Black Tux, this is a clown suit and not a tux. I don't even know and you, you know carried what? these. Yeah, take it back. And you've probably been listening to this episode, and you're like, I've kind of been wanting to try a cape with my tux. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know for sure that they have them, but if they do, you can try on a cape, see if it looks good. Yeah, if, that, if that's an option, you can have it. <laughs> Add features to the, to the business, not knowing for sure if it's a- Now, what I will say is, you can just go buy a cape wherever. Yeah, you. anyone can. The yeah, tux is like, the important Go to the nearest part. cape store. A sheet is basically a cape, as any child can tell you. <laughs> That's uh, put um, that on the box for uh, sheets. <laughs> put that for you. Put it on the box of the cape, the NBC show. <laughs> <laughs> sheet is basically a cape. Mm-hmm. NBC is the cape. <laughs> why did we put this on the box? And why are we releasing the cape on DVD? Why did we pay to have this transferred to Blu-ray quality? Hmm. All good questions. Speaking of quality. Speaking of quality. Get back to the Black Tux. Quality tuxes to rent. The best part of the Black Tux, it's completely done online. To get free shipping both ways, plus $20 off of your purchase, visit theblacktux.com slash flop. That's theblacktux.com slash flop. You're never going to know when you need to put on the Ritz. No. Well, hopefully you will need to know because you have to order it a couple months ahead of time. Oh, yeah, that's right. But you always are going to know when you have to put on the Ritz. <laughs> Let's say yeah. you got a wedding coming up. Dance with sticks show. or umbrellas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dre- look dressed up like a million dollar trooper, trying yeah. so hard to look like Gary Cooper, super any duper. Of those, any of those things. Yeah, pooper scooper. Now, here's the thing you got a wedding coming up, you got an awards show coming up. Uh-huh. Maybe you've got, I don't know, you're just going to Casablanca and you want to look good at Rick's. Maybe you got a wedding awards show coming up. Which is the best wedding? Oh, you don't know. At the Weddies. <laughs> the <laughs> awards on, for weddings. I'm assuming it's on Bravo. <laughs> uh, probably. It's got to be. Yeah. Host Watch what Andy happens Cohen. live. Yeah. 
Yep. <laughs> yep. What's the it? name of a thing, Dan? I'm, deman- <laughs> I'm demanding that you watch it live. You must watch it live. <laughs> sure. You can't just watch what happens. You have to do it live. So we've been doing this bit for a little bit. But uh, go check out. It feels like it's been years. Do you think? Do you think yeah, meetings? we have nice long beards. Do you think at meetings at Bravo's? Bravo, they go. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's keep it down, everybody. Let's follow Vanderpump's rules of order. <laughs> uh, so black theblacktux.com. Uh huh. Check it and out. Use that. Oh, that promo code, what was it again, Dan? It was theblacktux.com slash flop is where you got to go. Cool. Uh, but our other sponsor for the evening is Casper. The Flophouse is supported in part by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Casper mattresses feature supportive memory foam for a sleep surface that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. That's memory foam that's like, you can do it. Come on. Have faith in yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dan, you are a diehard Casper customer. Yeah. Well, that, in that I have a Casper mattress. And yet. you sleep and on you that will, shit every and, night. And you'll die on it. I've only slept on a Casper mattress one time. But it yeah, was brag super, about it again. It was super comfortable. <laughs> Where were you? I was in Huntington, West Virginia. Yes. Visiting who? One of the one of the McElroys, two yeah. of the McElroys, well, three of the McElroys actually, but not the three that that the listener is thinking of. I mean, it, I don't know. I'm not going to place any judgment on the listeners, but what I am going to say is, I had a great time sleeping on that mattress. Dan, what about you? How do you have a great time on that mattress? Feel free to tell <laughs> us the deets. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes. I think you not. had a story queued up right when we walked through the door today. <laughs> no. I'm not going there. Yeah, yes, Dan. Was there a yarn you wanted to spin? Nope. Don't want to spin any yarns. Yeah, I thought you said you were going to save it for the podcast. The yarn. You very eager to relay us with a certain tale. The yarn is oh, all. bed business. The yarn is all wound up in a ball. <laughs> it is not de-yarned. Uh, there's a risk. Why for- are you making strange eyebrow motions right now, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> Wink. There's a risk-free trial and return policy. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery to the U.S. and Canada and painless returns. <laughs> Mattresses made in America. And there's a special offer to listeners up the Flophouse. Flophouse listeners can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com. Slash flop house and using the promo code flop house. Easy to remember. It's All one word show. flop house. And that's a huge deal. $50? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's a grant. A little uh, grant. From terms Mary and Tyler conditions Moore. apply. Terms and didn't, and, conditions and Casper apply. won a bunch of awards uh, for their technology of making tiny little mattresses that. Uh, sure. Expand to become giant. Yeah, the Maddies. One, the Ghosties, the, well, the Maddies, the Ghosties, the Maddies. That's the mattress awards, mm-hmm. and also the Caspies. But mm-hmm. those are awards they put. Maddies yes. are also Caspies, which just sounds sort of like Caspies. So mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> the uh, the Maddies are hosted by Mads Mikkelsen and uh, Mad Mardigan, <laughs> yep. and the Caspies are hosted by Prince Caspian <laughs> oh, of the Dawn Treader. <laughs> wow. All right. Now, uh, Dan. They're hosted by the horse and his boy, the comedy <laughs> team of the horse and his boy. Say boy. <laughs> anyway, Dan, do we don't have any Jumbotron messages. No Jumbotron. Uh, but I wanted to uh, give a special shout out mm-hmm. to Cassidy, an avid listener, former coworker of my mom, huge Flophouse fan. She tells me about it all the time. And Cassidy is making a big move, starting a new job, a cross-country move. And I just want to say, Cassidy, 
Good luck with it. I hope it's a great move, and I hope everything works out great. Thanks for listening to Flophouse. Please keep listening. Try to get my mom to listen sometime. She does not. And this isn't Cletus Cassidy, a.k.a. Carnage. Uh, would I give a heartfelt message to a serial killer? No, I would not. And it's not Cassidy the Vampire from Preacher either. Okay. This is a person named Cassidy. He's <laughs> <laughs> neither bonded to a symbiote nor a vampire. I mean, he's bonded to a symbiote known as heroin. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Cassidy the Vampire? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but now it's time for letters from listeners. Like, like you. Like you. And Are you. you a listener? Probably. I mean, you're listening right now. Would you consider yourself a listener? If you just listen to one episode, does if, that make you a listener? If you're stuck in the back seat while somebody's playing this for you on the car. Yeah. I'm sorry. If someone tied you up and put earbuds in your head, does that make you a listener? Are you being listener uh, Look, let me, I think I understand what you guys are saying. And I guess what you're saying is, the Flophouse boys are looking for listeners, looking around the world. That's the not Flop what The Flophouse boys are looking for boys and girls who like to listen to Flophouse that stuff. That's creepy, the way you said that. Flophouse boys <laughs> looking for listeners. Flophouse. House joy felt by the listeners. Write us a letter and tell us if you listen. Write us a letter. Not a lot of words rhyme with listen. But I'm trying and you'll glisten and you'll shine if you listen to the flop house. The flop house is good for the coats of pets and other domesticated animals. You know, there was chunks of that that sounded like uh, Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. <laughs> Yeah, it's sung by uh, the world's greatest Eddie Vedder impersonator. <laughs> That's Eddie Vedder, basically. Yeah. This is uh, this one's from Abbott, last name with hey, L. What would Eddie Shredder sound like? It's Eddie. It's Shredder, but he has an Let's Eddie, talk about Eddie Vedder cover band. <laughs> he has a Pearl Jam cover band, him and Crank. <laughs> Rocksteady sure. and Bebop, of course, play in the band as well. Yeah, they just play Hunger Strike over and over. <laughs> Crank does the Chris Cornell part. This letter... It's from Abbott, last name withheld. Who writes? And Costello. Dear, dear speeches. <laughs> like you don't leave that on the... <laughs> no. That was a penny on the table. Yeah. Long-time listener, first-time writer. I'm slowly working my way through your back catalog and came across a movie minute where you talk about the then-upcoming movie Avatar. Mm, remember the movie minutes? Whatever happened to those, Dan? Uh, no one liked them, so I stopped doing them. <laughs> mm, that's a good point. <laughs> Somebody tweeted at me the other day, and they said, I might be the only one who liked these. And they might have tweeted you, too. But are you guys going to do another Oscar floptacular? And I was like, you are the only one who likes those. No, people like people did like the Oscars floptacular, but uh, I don't know. Not enough to make it worth doing the whole thing. Well, maybe, we'll, maybe at the next, the next episode we record, we're recording this before the Oscars. But it's going to be released after. Maybe next episode. Instead of doing letters, we can talk about the Oscars or something. Uh, I don't know. Let's not go crazy. But yeah, maybe. I don't know. Elliot's trying to get out of watching a movie. It is depends. What he's the, the listeners now will know whether uh, whether the Oscars went out of their way to choose the best movie of the year, as they usually don't do, or whether we live in a dystopia where Trump is president and La La Land is considered the best picture of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, listeners, you know if we live. You in know, that world. while we didn't we didn't talk about and uh, during the movie we didn't mention that the one of the villain one of the monsters is is called the Red Cap, which is a popular uh, like a type, person to help you with your bags at the airport. A, a type of fey creature, like a notoriously violent goblin type character. Oh, I didn't realize that. But that's like something that's shown up in folklore quite a bit, uh, and certainly in the White Wolf <laughs> Changeling game. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I haven't heard about that one in a while. <laughs> but I'm surprised that uh, I'm surprised that all throughout this uh, the you know Trump's campaign that nobody likened the uh, the Make America Great Again behatted uh, legions as being likened to the violent red caps. I'm sorry, you're surprised that no one did that? <laughs> yeah, if I'm the first one drawing that connection. Well, give me five million dollars because I'm awesome. Booyah! <laughs> Who's giving you this money? I don't know. <laughs> the fucking I don't know the White Wolf. Yeah, <laughs> for promoting their five products? million dollars. They do not have five million dollars on hand. Okay, maybe Chaosium can get it to you. <laughs> this, yeah, they have way more. <laughs> this gentleman came across a movie minute. He huh? says, "Where you talk about the then upcoming movie Avatar." Elliot says, I'll be surprised if this movie is not a flop. It could be a success, but maybe it will do well off James Cameron name, na- James Cameron's name and then not do so well. Considering I stand by my prediction of could be a flop or could do well. Considering that for a time this movie had the honor of being the highest grossing film, my question is, what other movies have you been this wrong about? <laughs> what movies have you thought would be terrible that turned out to be successful? And what movies did you think would be successes? That you ended up covering on the podcast. Thanks for flopping. Abbott last name withheld. I just want to uh, point out that at the time I was like, James Cameron has done this before with Titanic, where people thought it was going to be a flop and it wasn't. I predicted that Avatar would be a success. I, I, I okay, we got you on record now. Look, yeah. I'm totally. We have you on record years after the fact <laughs> as saying you were right. I uh, look. I'm uh, always willing to admit I was wrong after this past November. I've never been more wrong in my life, and so I'm embracing my wrongness. So you know what? I apologize, James Cameron, to Avatar. I will settle the class action suit of Flophouse listeners against me for being wrong. You all can have one-third of a penny in settlement. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of surprised. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that Batman versus Superman. I'm not surprised that I didn't like it, but I'm surprised that it that Zack Snyder and Warner Brothers turned out a movie that is kind of universally disliked. Like it won a bunch of Razzie awards this year, which doesn't necessarily mean quality. That's the Razzies are kind of bullshit. Sorry, Razzies, or maybe you're not. I don't really care. Um, but, (laughs) but what I'm saying is I'm surprised that it was as bad as it was. Uh, I guess, but we're talking more about like flops or hits, I guess. Yeah. But, well, no, but it's, that's, but it's that's movies fair. that you I mean, thought would be terrible. It's a movie I didn't expect to for successful. us to cover on the show. Oh, I mean, there are movies where I've seen the commercial or the trailer, and I've been like, I don't want to see that. That looks terrible. And then they turn out to be not that bad, you know? And Like the Fright Night remake was way better than I expected it to be. There are very few times where I think a movie is going to be great, and then it turns out to be awful, if only because it's like I don't... It's I, there. No, actually, that's not true. Every now and then, there's a movie. I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Every now and then, well, I mean, La La Land. There you go. I was super excited about it. Wanted to really wanted to see it, and then I didn't enjoy it that much. But like, it's. I, I feel like right now, movies are so divided into like smaller movies that tend to be of quality, and then large, big budget movies where even those you can tell going in pretty much when it's going to be good or not. I don't know, like. I find myself not that surprised by movies anymore. But I also see fewer You don't have that childlike wonder anymore. I don't. That's true. But it's also the fact that, like, actually having a child, mm-hmm. I, like, don't go to the theaters that often. So it's And I don't have that much time to watch movies at home. So it's rare that a movie that's bad slips through the screen that I've set up, where it's like, 
This week, I have exactly two hours spread out over five dishwashing sessions to watch a movie. I'm going to watch a movie I've wanted to How see for years. How do you watch movies when you're watching stuff doing the dishes? Well, do I you have, have a TV in your kitchen? I have, a, I have an iPad. And okay. I can Are you some sort of TiVo. television wizard? I am a television wizard. Are we to wizard. believe that you're some sort of TV <laughs> I have wizard? an iPad that gives me access to my TiVo through streaming, uh, Netflix, on any other movie site, and I just set it up next to the sink and I watch. TV Wizard was uh, was not a hit off of The Who's uh, follow-up, Tommy 2. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, he's really good at, what, watching TV? Yeah. <laughs> Even though he's deaf and blind? Yeah. This kid's deaf and blind, but he still knows the plot of all the Simpsons episodes? <laughs> he's a TV wizard, he really loves Brady Bunch. <laughs> TV wizard, he had a orange for lunch. <laughs> yeah. You can oh, wow. tell they lack some of the inspiration. How do you think he does it? He just watches TV. How did he get so good? He's a TV guy. I don't guy. care. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> Who the fuck cares? It's your wicked Uncle Ernie, and I watch a lot of bad TV as I change the channels, change the channels. Uh... Or it should be a flip about instead of fiddle about. But I, I'm I, I think that's I mean I I don't get to the theater very often either. I usually only I rarely seek out something that I haven't. I mean it's it's hard to see something that hasn't been like promoted to me in some way or another. And also it's hard it's much harder these days to see a movie without knowing a lot about it ahead of time just by the way that culture is bombarded at us, like either promoted or you see people just discussing it either online and social media or in person in front of your face. I mean, I've gotten pretty good if I can, if I know that a movie is like a like a horror movie or a genre picture that gets any kind of buzz at any of the festivals, I almost immediately like stop reading any details unless there's a release date. <laughs> Uh, because I mean, it's not that I don't want to go in with spoilers, but I'm like, I don't need to spend time promoting this further. I know I want to see green room by Jeremy Saulnier again. Mm -hmm. Uh, although that sometimes leads to a mistake where I take my wife to see it and she spends most of the movie <laughs> covering her eyes and then is mad at me. I was trying to go back and see whether there was actually like anything that we, that we did on the show that I was, had thought. Might be good no, at some point. No, because usually if you think it might be good, you watch it without us, and then you're like, it was pretty crazy, but we're not, we can't see it for the show. Yeah. Yeah, like all the Now You See Me movies, which you're apparently all about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, Damn, now, now You See Me 3, don't watch it so we can do it on Flophouse, even though it'll be a huge hit. It's Now You 3 Me. The Now You uh, See movies are super, super, super stupid, but they're stupid in an entertaining way. So, um,. I guess that's the moral of this sure. letter. Okay, let's go to the next oh, okay, letter. Okay, let's we move to the next letter. roughly an hour and a half on that letter. Okay. My commute to work is crazy long. This is from, uh, by the way, Doug, last name withheld. Doug okay. Funny, right? Mike. <laughs> How's Skeeter doing? <laughs> My commute. Oh, don't you, worry about it. Did you ever it. get married to Patty Mayonnaise? My commute no spoilers. To, you know what? Maybe he married BB Bluff. She's got the money. Yeah. My commute to work is crazy long. And I listen to your podcast all the time. It's my favorite. And I think it's because your banter and absurd riffing remind me of my closest friends, none of whom, unfortunately, live close to me anymore. Oh, that's too bad. There is, in other words, something familiar about the Flophouse that I really appreciate, especially in these dark days. Q Halley, politics and elections. 
So thank you. I like that he used close in two different ways within one sentence, emotionally and physically. Yeah. That's good writing. Anyway, two questions for you. One, I was texting with said friends the other night, and I joked that there should be a Milos Foreman grill with an accompanying infomercial. I said that one part of the infomercial could be a guy holding the grill, inspecting its features carefully, and then dropping it on the floor on account of his bitter ecstasy. And another, a guy could pick one up, throw it through a window, and then disappear into the early morning. I was legitimately proud of this idea, but they didn't care for it. Mm-hmm. Were they right? I think I can take it either way. Milos Forman's the guy that uh, paints the Vigo painting in Ghostbusters no, 2. No, no, incorrect. No. Oh, okay. Stuart, I want to see you teach a history of film class. <laughs> now we get to Buster Keaton. Another name for Michael Keaton. <laughs> he, was, he was Michael Keaton and Buster Poindexter's son. <laughs> he was in Free Jack and... Uh, Gung Ho, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number two, what are the most offensive movies you've seen, either because of form or content? You flopped some offensive crap over the years. Parentheses, last ounce of courage comes to mind. But what movies make you fume from righteous indignation? Thanks for the laughs. Doug, last name with help. Uh, as for the Milos Foreman grill, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Shrug. Wow. wow. It's a perfectly fine joke. <laughs> rough. No, and I mean, you know. Very rough. I would say it on the podcast, certainly. Yeah, yeah. And I then mean, Ellie would make fun of me for it. Or so. I'd say it and you guys and you'd make fun of me. I you know what? It pass so it passes the test of something we would say knowing it's stupid, expecting the other guys to not like it in the heat of a moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the heat uh, of the, the moment. moment. There's the the rest of that song. Uh, um, but so what offensive, the most offensive movies. movies. I've I've talked about how offensive I find the movie uh, Forty Days and Forty Nights. Oh yeah, that's yeah. A good the one. Josh Hartnett sex comedy where he decides to give up premarital sex for Lent, and then he proceeds to uh, blow a feather across <laughs> Shannon Sassamon's tummy to give her an orgasm. Which I think, it, I mean, at that point, that's basically intercourse. And then at the end, he gets raped by his ex-girlfriend. It's really weird. Uh, there's, I mean, the a lot of the a lot of the Christian movies we watch uh, are feature like these ridiculous straw man arguments, and those are all. I don't know if I'd say they're like super offensive. They're just really dumb. And they definitely insult the viewer's intelligence. Yeah, including the people that they're they're pitching the movie toward. That's yeah. the thing that bugs me the most. Is it's like we assume the people that like this stuff are idiots. Well, I, that's one of the. Th- I mean, I, this wasn't one of the movies I was going to talk about, but Saving Christmas or whatever it was, Kirk Cameron saves Christmas. Yeah, like as, even as a non-Christian, I was offended by a movie that was basically like. Hey, you know what's most important about Christmas? All the stuff that really doesn't have anything to do with the birth of Christ. Trees, presents, eating a lot of food, dancing, drinking. That's what Christmas is all about. I mean, why should we change just because some dusty old Jew back 2000 years ago said so in some crazy old book? I mean, isn't the isn't the, like the modern commercialization of Christmas wasn't that created by the like the like Jewish department stores? Uh, I don't know if I'd say Jewish department stores. I mean, stores. that's what my wife says. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, even there was something about 
the about the <laughs> your your wife, by the way, who is Jewish, not just anti-Semitic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not you're not married to Eva Braun. Yes. <laughs> no. the, it's there was something about the vulgarization of any. Yeah, faith yeah, yeah. That I was like, uh, this is gross. That that they're like, hey, I really represent this faith, and I'm a believer. Here's why it's more important. No, I mean, stuff. The, the best thing I could come up with for this was Passion of the Christ, where. The movie seems to believe that the most important thing about Christ is he got the shit beat out of him one time, rather than like I mean, yeah, the message is, that he it had. Is how he paid for the. It is how he erased the sin of original sin, which even though he erased it, everyone still gets punished for. I guess all the time. Dan, can you explain it to me? Uh, how come he cleansed the earth of original sin, and yet we're all still to blame for it? Smoke bomb. Ah! I mean, we keep we keep bringing up the the religious movies, but I'm I'm sure that there are. A million movies where the gender politics or like the, or the racial the politics, racial politics sure. or sexual politics are so terrible that I don't even want to think about them. I mean, I I assume we're just shoving aside, say, like propaganda films that are offensive because they're actually against. Yes. They're for, they're for hurting people or things like sallow or things like that where it's like <laughs> sure. we're just going to push it as far as we can go. Yeah. A Serbian film. Like, yeah. Or a Serbian film like the. uh I I think I mentioned before in the podcast, I watch a lot of old movies where I have to like cringe through scenes every now and then. Mm -hmm. But I was going to say, the two movies that just came to mind when I was thinking about this were number two runner-up, Soul Man. Yeah. Starring C. Thomas Howell. (laughs) I was about to talk about Soul Man. (laughs) Which is like, well, then I won't say too much about it. Uh, Please. Well, it's just that the fact that this is like a movie-length blackface joke in the 80s. (laughs) Like, I can almost, almost cringe my way through it in a movie from the 20s, but, like, that they did it in the 80s is crazy, and, like, James Earl Jones is in it, like, but the number one one, and this, this is one that I didn't expect to be, to find so offensive when I saw it, was Year of Living Dangerously with Mel Gibson and Sigourney Weaver and uh-huh. Linda Hunt, and the thing I found offensive about it was that you're watching this country in upheaval. It's like, people are getting killed left and right, but the movie is, like, yeah, but Mel Gibson and Sigourney Weaver got out okay, right? Okay, good. The white people got out fine. It, it's We're just going to kill off all these people who live in this country to show how dangerous it was getting for these two white characters. Right. Oh, but thank goodness they escaped. So I was it's like the same problem people had with that Naomi Watts movie, The, the Inconceivable. King Kong? No, there was like Mulholland a movie about Drive? the funny games. 21 there Trams? There was a movie about the tsunami. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, like the Bad impossible vacation. or something like that. What if it was called Bad Vacation? <laughs> <laughs> and you added a laugh track to it. If I mean, if you did a movie called Bad Vacation, it's kind of like a tasteless comedy about a vacationing in a place that is a tsunami, <laughs> and the tourist characters all they care about is trying to make this vacation work, even though people are drowning all around them. That is a movie I don't want to see. Yeah, but somebody else do it. But uh, no, more recently there was that like movie that. No Escape with uh. Uh, Ray Liotta? Liotta? Owen Wilson. Where it's a prison island? Owen Wilson was in it where there were... Uh, Owen I, Wilson was on Ray Liotta's prison island? <laughs> or I even mean, that seems Dan, crazy. you're sure thinking of this... behind enemy lines. No. <laughs> but there's... That was the one where he was the soldier who gets trapped behind enemy lines, Dan. <laughs> it's all in the title. I don't think Jackie Chan was in Wait, it. Wait, does he go Broken Arrow in that? <laughs> no, or, no, no, no. That's Christian No, Slater. he's the peacemaker. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, no Escape, it was called. Definitely. Okay, with Ray Liotta. Uh, Is Jackie Chan in this movie, Dan? <laughs> he wouldn't know. He was know. trying to get out of a, uh, in a like an Asian country that was being overcome with riots. 
And it was all about like how menacing all the like is Lake local... Bell in that with him? I Lake think Placid so. is in it. Oh no, kidding! <laughs> you know, alligators are like dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, there there are a lot of those movies where it's like we're gonna drop some Americans into a situation that is dangerous for them. It's more dangerous for all these non-Americans because they're getting killed left and right. But they basically – it's like um, as much as I love Wes Anderson, I did not like the Darjeeling Limited partly because the movie did not earn having an Indian boy killed in order to help teach these three rich assholes a lesson about yeah. getting over their dad's shit. Like it was just not Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying a Wes Anderson movie featured people grappling with father issues? <laughs> I have no problem with that. <laughs> Every man grapples with father issues. But uh, also the fact that they literally, to to, to lose their bag, emotional baggage, had to leave behind a set of luggage at the end. <laughs> it, was, it was like, come on, Wes, you're better than this. And then he made, but then he made Moonrise Kingdom, which I love. So, uh, Moving on. This is from Jeremy, last name withheld, who writes... To the heroes of my ear holes, the original Peaches. <laughs> that, that sounds like a movie about three tiny guys who just... Who stuff swords. a submarine sandwich in somebody's ears. <laughs> no! <laughs> my daughter is three years old now. She is, as of yet, unable to grasp the wonder and excitement that your podcast brings to me nearly daily. But I hope your legacy will continue until she is able to. In the meantime... What words of future advice do you have for her as she is sure to enter a world of diminishing return movies and even more horrific reboots than we have currently <clears throat> as she grows into adulthood? Yours truly, Jeremy Last Name Withheld. Well, so the question is sort of uh, advice for a young film goer. Well, never date a woman who has a tattoo of a weapon. Never play cards with a guy who has the same last name as a city. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everything's cream cheese. That's from Teen Wolf, but I screwed it up a little bit. <laughs> okay. Uh... What's so? What exp- what advice for movies? What advice for a young film goer? I think is really what the. Uh, what are you guys gonna say? I, I was- mean, I think the lamest thing, but I think probably the truest thing, is to try and uh, try and support uh, independent films and smaller budget films, because even the bad ones are going to be generally the product of a uh, at least a somewhat singular vision. So at least you're going to see something bad that's a little more pure than a bad studio movie. I would say be open to seeing anything that comes your way within reason, but don't close off your mind to something just because you think you're not supposed to like it or because you think it's the kind of thing you're not going to like. Certainly as a younger man, I closed myself off to a number of movies that I later found to be really enjoyable because I prejudged them, uh, whether they be small movies or large movies. At the same time, you are about to enter well, – by the time your daughter is grown up and my son too, they are going to live in a very different brave new world where films are distributed differently and where possibly China is the world's movie maker, mm-hmm. which they, are, they want to be very badly. I was reading an article recently – about the movie The Great Wall, where they're saying this is essentially the beginning of Chinese studios really making a big play to be creating the kinds of movies that play internationally and win over the American audience. And it mentioned that America's studios have had pretty much unfettered domination of the international market for a hundred years, which is true since World War One essentially. So like that's a long time and by the time our children are of age, that run may have come to an end. Possibly due to Hollywood's own dagger at its throat as it goes down this wheel, this hole of uh, 
reboots and sequels and stuff. But I'll also say this. There have been a number of times in Hollywood history where it seems the studios are just churning out the same kind of movie, and then those times end and something new comes along in their way. You know, there's a, you know there was a time when half the movies being made were westerns. That's no longer the case. But what about that idea that like after 9-11, all the movie studios just kept uh, focusing on nostalgia and looking backwards and never turning out anything new? Well, I don't think that's don't, totally true. Yeah, I don't... I don't know that it, that's... It's more a sense of... In a, I think in a world where movies have gotten more expensive and international markets have gotten more important, they glom to things that seem to have been proven in another medium or have already worked in movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it was a response to like a time of worry and crisis or anything like that. Here's my advice for a young film. But you could be right. I hadn't heard of that before. Here's my advice for a film, young film goer. Do what I did. Go to uh, your local library. <laughs> Look at the way Dan's life has gone. Don't do what Dan did. <laughs> He's an Emmy-winning writer for a hit television show. Don't don't scam the reasons for the R rating. I don't understand. (laughs) If it says nudity, that's not good enough. If it says sexual situations, you know you're going to hit something good that will include nudity. Adult content could go either way. (laughs) You don't know. First off, make sure your parents are asleep. Okay. Sit on the stairs near their bedroom in case you hear the door open. Then you fucking scamper down them steps, and then you pretend you're sleeping underneath a bag of Cheetos. You want to get really good at lip reading when someone is in ecstasy so that the volume's not so high that it draws attention and wakes people up. But you want to know what they're saying in the sex scenes. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you done yet? Are you done? Here's All right. another hot tip from Dan McCoy. Okay. If you, if there, if you want to keep that movie on tape. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Just watch it on demand and just record the sex scenes. So yeah. you don't waste tape with the plot scenes that you don't yeah, want. Yeah, fucking crazy. You don't want to see George Hamilton and Billy Zane get in an argument about Joan Severance. <laughs> Wait, is George <laughs> Hamilton in that movie? He's in one of those. Which George Hamilton? <laughs> I think George Hamilton is in Sexual Response. <laughs> Zorro the Gay Blade? I know, there's, I know there's a Shannon. There's a Shannon. That's Shannon Tweed. I there's think. a Shannon Tweed movie with Malcolm McDowell in it, but I don't remember the name of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it was Tank Girl. <laughs> um, so Dan, what was your advice? My advice was be like me. One of them kangaroos, right? <laughs> Booga or whatever. <laughs> be like me. Go to your local library's uh, library sale. Pick up a copy of one of Roger Ebert's movie yearbooks that has the cover ripped off for 25 cents. <laughs> this is very specific. <laughs> read it from cover to cover. Just read all of the reviews because Roger Ebert was a master of, of just making an entertaining movie review. Don't do that. Get the New York Times 1000 Movies at Best Movies Ever book. And then, mar- as I did, and mark down the ones you haven't seen, and then to go through those. Well, I was going to say, at the end of Roger Ebert's books, he always has the great movies where he writes about his ten favorite movies. And those are, uh, I mean, actually, the great movies is a series he did where he just did a bunch of great movies. But then there was also his, his ten best, uh, both of which are good rabbit holes to go down. Somebody, I think... 
I think the Alamo was showing somebody was showing doing a screening of Valley Girl and they reposted Roger Ebert's article or his review of Valley Girl. And it's such a great review and reminds me about how, why I love that movie so much. So if you get a chance, find that review on the Internet, dudes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm joking a little bit, but find a good reviewer who like you find uh, some sort of <clears throat> simpatico thing with him or her, but also is a good like crafter of thought and crafter of words and 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 you enjoy just reading them about film and follow them down uh their personal follow them on twitter <laughs> follow follow the, like and what eventually lies with Roger but you'll follow them into the afterlife <laughs> follow them into the grave <laughs> no but uh just just follow that rabbit hole where it leads and it'll help you develop your own personal taste to uh, you know, listen to the other person. Yeah, and hopefully, like the next picture show podcast is still going, so you can listen to that. And the last piece of advice I would give is come to terms with the fact that you will never see all the great movies in the world, and you will never see all the good movies in the world, and you will most likely die alone. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. You'll most likely die having not seen everything. So don't feel the pressure to cram so many movies into your life that you don't live a real life. Yeah, try and die surrounded by family as opposed to crushed by a stack of unwatched VHS tapes. <laughs> Which once was definitely going to be the way I got out. Final letter of the evening from Ken Last Name Withheld. Kardashian? Kim. <laughs> Ken. Ken oh, Kardashian. Ken. I thought you said Kim. Not Kim. Little, there- little did you know, the... Longtime opponent of Ryu is Ken Kardashian. <laughs> I didn't know that. Dropping was last dragon name. punches on him. <laughs> Ken last name. Sorry, Ken giving Doll. a big scar to Sagat. Last name Doll. Ken Doll. For Radio Zork, we have opened the door. I would like to get on the floor for the later purposes of Everybody Walk the Dinosaur. That is an unintentional callback. Wow. To uh, Stuart Just, talking about it earlier. I mean, uh, I think there's there's a pretty good chance to you know, refer to one of the only songs whose lyrics I kind of know. <laughs> I would say, uh, what makes you think the door is open in Radio Zork? Oh, we'll find out next week on Radio Zork. Uh, so now it is time to move on to the final segment of the evening. Which is recommendations. <laughs> yeah, were you about to say letters? Wow. Okay, I was Dan? trying to remember what the final thing is that we do, even though I know that we recommend movies. <laughs> we review sausages. I like chicken garlic sausages. <laughs> oh, those are delicious. I'm a fan of chorizo. Get out of here. Nope. Get up out of your chair. All right. <laughs> Get out of here. Wait, why? Chorizo is great. Dan, this episode's going long. Can you just come back from, to your chair and we'll recommend some movies? Classic sound. So it's time to do some recommendations, and I'm going to surprise you all by doing a pair of recommendations. Oh, okay. All right. One of them is, I don't, I don't think needs my additional support, but I want to give it anyway because I really enjoyed it. And that is uh, Academy Award-nominated movie Moonlight, uh, which I think if there's, I mean, my personal recommendation for the uh, winner of the Best Picture Award is Moonlight. I think it's great. Um, it is the story of a young man growing up in, like, the, I guess the slums of or the inner city of Miami. And it takes place over different moments of his life. And it's really great. 
and I don't want to talk too much about the actual uh, stuff about it because I need to get to my second recommendation. But I do want to mention that there's these two great moments in the movie. There's many great moments, but there's these two great moments where two different characters start an argument with another character and you, at least me as the viewer, like I was so behind them and I'm like, I totally am with this person and totally with their emotions. And they begin their like argument against another person and the person turns it on them so abruptly and you can see them back off. And it felt so real. Like I've had so many moments like that in my own life where I was so sure of my own argument until it actually happened against somebody else. And I immediately was like, Oh yeah, I didn't think about it from your perspective. Uh, and it just felt so natural and it's a great movie. I totally recommend it. Um, and the other movie I want to recommend is not nominated for best picture. It is a teen comedy, uh, called the edge of 17, um, which I'm going to look up some details, but it is a movie about a young woman who is coping with some personal tragedy and she is uh, like dealing with some upheaval in her uh, the like her relationships with her friends and with her family. And it is an interesting exploration of kind of relationships. And I think it presents teens as kind of the way teenagers are like kind of dumb and complicated creatures that are going through a crazy time in their life. And it's got some great performances from Kira Sedgwick uh, Woody Harrelson great, gives a great performance as a teacher and Haley Stanfield, mm-hmm. uh, who was in true grit. She gives a really great performance, uh, as does, uh, the Woody the, Harrelson, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> yeah. I already said that though. And, oh, okay. uh, I thought you were trying to remember who. No, was. the, uh, I don't remember the name of the actor, but the actor who plays her brother, who is the lead in everybody wants some, which is one of my favorites of the year. Ray Romano gives Ray. Oh, Romano. I, thought you missed, I thought you said everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> everybody loves him. Uh, he gives a great performance. So if you're looking for now, I will say that early on, there's a little bit of narration given by the main character that goes away after the first scene or two. So, my initial reaction was, fuck this. I don't need a narrator to tell me what's going on. But uh, it's great. Check it out. I'd like to recommend a movie called Lost Soul, colon, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. Not which Lost is a, Souls, colon. Which is a long, a long title. But it's about, it's a movie, the main title is Lost Soul. It's about the terrible John Frankenheimer uh, Island of Dr. Moreau uh, movie that came out starring Val Kilmer and uh, what's his face? Marlon Dude, Brando. <laughs> what's also. his well, face? Marlon Brando is the... <laughs> what's his name? Oh yeah, the, one of the most famous actors ever. <laughs> David Thewlis is not talked about in the movie, I mean, which is David weird. David Thewlis is Since awesome. he's the star of... He's the star of the Dr. film. Well, do they talk about how he and Val Kilmer switched parts? Well, actually... What happened was... Um, Val Kilmer switched parts with another guy? Val Kilmer... Did they talk about how later on he would become a werewolf in the Harry Potter movies? <laughs> Val, at the time that this the part switching happened, uh, uh, Rob Morrow was supposed to be the person. I see. Uh, but then... He was stuck up in Alaska? Yeah. The switching happened, uh, and then David Thewlis came in to replace Rob Morrow, who 
told his agent to get him the fuck out of this movie. No offense to Rob Morrow, but David Thewlis is a much better actor. He's an upgrade, definitely. Uh, But if you've seen uh, The Island of Dr. Morrow, it is a fascinating mess. It is the movie that has a miniature uh, Marlon Brando that is the inspiration for Mini Me in the Austin Powers movies. Um, It is... A terrible film. Have we talked about this movie on the podcast before? I don't think so. It's a movie I've been meaning to see and I keep fucking forgetting Have you to. never seen it? I've never seen it, but I love Richard Stanley movies. <laughs> well, <laughs> one objection I have to, honestly, Lost Soul uh, is that I am not such a Richard Stanley, like, fan. I mean, like, I've, I guess I haven't seen Dust Devil. I tried to watch Hardware and I'm like... Uh, this isn't doing a whole mm, lot for me. This doesn't please me. Bring <laughs> take, me a miniature version of me. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> and bring me a miniature <laughs> version of me. <laughs> and and uh, I think the lost soul. If anything else, like it, it kind of deifies Richard Stanley a little much when the movie also kind of makes it clear that he probably wasn't ready to make a big budget movie like The Island of Doctor Moreau. Like, he was not up for the task, even though the movie wants you to believe that whatever he was going to come up with was going to be brilliant. Are they going to, do you think they're going to make a Lost Soul 2, the Josh Trank Fantastic Four story? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it reminds me of the Yodorovsky's Dune movie, where it's a really entertaining documentary about a movie that would have been crazy, but everyone keeps talking in the movie about what an amazing movie it would have been when it's like, it does not this sounds like it would be a mess like yeah. this does not sound like a good adaptation of dune that's for sure like yeah. yodorowsky is the kind of guy who if i needed somebody to sell farts to people i'm sure he could make them very appealing and interesting <laughs> with his colorful language okay interesting <laughs> i mean one people love farts they're hilarious <laughs> Two, you're yeah, but right. you're not gonna buy it. You're gonna check you're gonna it out real quick, and then you're gonna walk away. You're right. <laughs> you're gonna take a sample cup and leave. <laughs> <laughs> Yodorowski will get you <laughs> taking one of those home today. Point is, what do it, I have to do to get you home and <laughs> to drive home in a fart? If you enjoy mo- uh, movies, <laughs> if you enjoy documentaries about failed movies, this is a fun one. You know, it's like an hour and a half. You get to learn why. Uh, Island of the Lost Souls is such a mess and it has a lot to do with Val Kilmer being a crazy dick and uh, that was the original title of Crazy Heart (laughs) Marlon Brando (laughs) being a lovable crazy person who was just like you know this is not important what we're doing I don't care what we're doing like we're getting paid let's just do whatever crazy shit we want to do and so that's kind of wonderful to so if you like Some kind that of wonderful, stuff, the Val Kilmer story, then <laughs> no, the Marlon Brando story, oh, yeah. Lost Souls is a is a fun movie. Uh, I'm going to recommend surprise, surprise. It's an old foreign film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a French film from Eric Romare called My Night at Mods, uh, and it is pretty. I'm going to just gonna say this: it's a little pretentious as a movie, but that's something I liked no. about it. Uh, it tells the story of a man who is. It's in France. It's the 60s. This man is a Catholic, uh, and his faith is very important to him, but he's lonely. And he finds himself one night with an old friend of his and a woman who's friends with that man. And the woman is very interested in in spending the night with him, and he is torn about it. And most of the movie is that night the two of them talking and trying to figure each other out and then where their lives go from there. 
And what I like about it is it's a movie that is about the kind of very small drama moments in someone's life that stick with them for a long time, even when it doesn't turn out to be that epic moment of their life. And it reminds me of when I was a kid, the, one of the things that seemed like a grown-up thing to me was the Beatles song Norwegian Wood, which is about a man going home with a woman, things not quite working out the right way, and him sleeping in a bathtub. And when he wakes up the next morning, she's gone, and he just kind of like hangs out and then I assume leaves. And it's like, as a kid, that felt like a, a very grown-up story to me, that like, this isn't told, this is, this is a thing that doesn't go quite right, it doesn't end with a fist fight or a sex scene or an explosion, and My Night at Mods is kind of like that. It feels like what a, like looking at an important moment to somebody in their growth as a human being, that, but that moment doesn't define their lives or become like the turning point around which everything works. And there's a lot of philosophical talk in it, which I'm a sucker for, and a lot of great black and white photography of just, you know, France at the time. Uh, but I thought it was really good. So My Night at Mods. My night at mods. My night <laughs> at mods. At mods. <laughs> Presented with commentary by Borat. <laughs> so, guys, uh, happy birthday to Stuart. Hey. Who, who, for once, we can blame for making us watch this movie rather than me. Unlike Dan, where you're like, oh, I'm trying to clear my DVR. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good though, right? That's a good impression. Like, yeah, Dan is kind of like a Hank Hill type. <laughs> uh, but uh, thank you for listening and thank you for being here. And uh, we'll be with you in a couple of weeks. But for now, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, I've been Stuart Wellington. Uh, good night, everybody. <laughs> Elliot Kalen here saying, whatever your time you're listening to this, go to bed. Good night, everyone. We were watching uh, an episode of American Ninja Warrior today, and they were talking about this stunt where you have to like jump from one platform to another platform, and the announcer's like, that's 14 feet, people. That's right. That's two Shaquille O'Neal's. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, the, uh, the universal system of measurement. <laughs> I don't know how to visualize 14 feet. Oh, two Shaquille O'Neal's. Yeah, that, okay. <laughs> like a common item, one you have in every home. So, uh, shopkeep, I would like to purchase some of your bubble tape. Can I get one and a half Shaquille O'Neal's of bubble tape, please? I need three Shaquille O'Neal's of stout rope. <laughs> <laughs> you know they that's say that's, rope and bubble tape store. You know, they say that's how Shaquille O'Neal got his name, is he was a riverboat pilot, and you would drop uh, the rope down, and for each league, you would say Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then he um, went on to write Putting Ed Wilson. Is <laughs> the most Mark Twain's famous work, most famous work, Putting Ed Wilson. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.